0: The MX Vice Show.
1: Episode 48 of the MX Vice Podcast Show. I'm James Burfield, and with me in the hotel room is Lewis Phillips, editor of MX Vice. Today's show is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liap, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Evenstricks, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. As you know, Fly Racing have been supporting us this year. Fly Racing's redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading, innovation, and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet has changed the game. As always, a big thanks to Fly Racing and our sponsors. Interesting, we do have uh, a great competition coming up where you can actually win a Fly Racing helmet. So uh, we'll stay, stay tuned, keep, and we'll keep you posted. Lewis. Hello. Look at us both in the same room.
2: Yeah. Um... I think I just fucked up your introduction. I stood on your wire and the headphones started going mental, which, which means I think that I might have caused some issues with your introduction. <laughs> because, but I think it might be fine. So I think we continue. Brilliant.
1: Brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. Um,
2: the headphones were going off as if someone had let off a firecracker. <laughs> But I don't know, oh, I don't know, this podcast is going to be hard because I'm constantly watching whether I'm in the green, yellow or red zone, but it's fine. I'm quite enjoying producer role. Obviously, you've turned up and done fuck all as normal, but
1: I'm quite wow. enjoying producer role. Well, he makes one mistake and, I, and he gets all aggressive with me. It's actually been really good to be back at the races. Um, as everybody knows, I've watched uh, the last 10 or so GPs uh, from the comfort of my home. And it really did make me think when I stood in pit lane and and watching the racing about how different being at a GP and watching a races and, and seeing the track and everything else compared to being at home. It really doesn't give you just like, it doesn't, the racing doesn't get the justice it deserves the, you know, the conditions and everything else. The track, uh, on Wednesday was just so, so rough. Um, the riders done so well in, uh, there was a lot of mistakes and everything else, but I was the mistakes from what I seen was literally just because the track was so tough.
2: So you basically realise that everything you said on a podcast lately really has been bollocks.
1: Uh, I did that anyway. So uh.
2: I'll tell you what: I have done a phenomenal job with the producing of this oh, podcast because I'm watching the levels here and they are
1: perfect. I reckon. Like you stood the- on the wire, so how perfect <laughs> is it, you idiot?
2: Yeah, that was a mistake. Um, and also, you need to watch out because your wire is actually really. Up. Maybe you stood on your wire because it's all by your foot. Your wire isn't actually near me.
1: No, I, I didn't stand on anything. Okay. Should, should we talk about motocross? Yes, that's fine. why we're here.
2: Yeah, I'm just preoccupied because I'm
1: a producer. It's fine. What well, I asked. What. What. Well, we were talking about Lommel Wednesday, you know the, the thing oh, we are here
2: for. Oh yeah, um, I didn't realize you asked me a question. You just were going on about how great it is to be. Well, at no, RGD. I was asking
1: a question, I was just talking to you oh. about. You yeah, know, this, this is my difference. like
2: seventieth GP in a in like a month,
1: so I'm better, I I don't even. Should we, should we start the podcast show now then? Because it does like you seem like you want to talk about it. No,
2: it's fine. Let's talk about it. What do you want to talk about? I think it's great that we've done this podcast after Lommel two instead of Lommel one.
1: Obviously, every other triple header we are.
2: Uh, did it after the first one, but I think that was a bit dumb because there was only a two-day turnaround. So at least this one's gonna have a bit more shelf life, I reckon. Give people an extra day to, to uh, listen to it.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, what did you take from this week's racing over um, the two legs? Oh, I know what I've taken from it. It's over.
2: It's we may as well just give up and you feel close championship's the championships. Done. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's ridiculous. It's over. I don't understand how we've gone to this level so quickly because. What? I think before... So you think Geyser and Vial's
1: got this oh. wrapped up already?
2: Oh, yeah. I've already made him a trophy. I've already engraved their names into it. Not that that's my job, but I took it upon myself to make that happen. Going into Spain, it was an 11-point gap. That was three rounds ago. Now it's 50-something. Mate? Well, Vial's 62, but that's been over for a long time. But The MXGP title fight was an 11-point difference going into Spain. That was a week and a half ago. A week and a half ago. And now the difference is 55. And that was a week and a half. In a week and a half, the gap has gone from 11 to 55. And no one's DNF, no one's crashed out, nothing like that. So it's over. It's ridiculous. But um, I'm now remembering everything that I wanted to say on this podcast because I have completely uh, figured guys are out.
1: Well, that's interesting because the first thing I thought you were going to do was just walk around this room uh, and tell everybody how dead on you've got this whole season with well, your predictions?
2: No, because I said Herlings was going to win a title, didn't I? So I guess I can't really claim that. But I figured out Geyser completely. Like I have sussed out him as a rider, his crashing, his non-crashing lately. I've sussed it. I've got him dialed now.
1: Okay, explain.
2: Um, basically, if he believes he is in a comfortable position, he doesn't make mistakes. If he believes he is not quite in
3: that position of comfort,
2: he makes mistakes. Like, like, I'm trying to think of an example. Okay, so beginning of the season, it's all, it's all new, and everyone's re- points are reset and everything. He made mistakes in the first two rounds, because at that point, it was all up for grabs. Then, and then we kept seeing the tip overs, we kept seeing the tip overs, he didn't win till Manta for free. He won at Manta for three. Spain, Crowley wasn't in the picture. So he, in his mind, Crowley wasn't around him. So he's like, he, I believe he felt he had the situation under control. He didn't make a mistake. Then he had a points lead. So then he turned up at Lomel 1, feeling like he had the situation more under control. Didn't make a mistake. Crowley was out of the picture again. So he was thinking, well, actually, he did make a mistake at Lomel 1, but come on, he tipped over a Lomel, who cares? Um, and then that's just compounded, compounded, compounded. Whereas I feel like had Lomel 1 gone the other way and... Um, Say, Corolli got the whole shot and Geyser had started eighth. I feel like the week would have gone completely different because Geyser suddenly would have gone, Oh my God, I don't think I have got this under control. And then that would have spiraled. So I think, I think he's a momentum guy. He's either up here, he's either really high or really low, not in mood sense, but in a he's either perfect because he believes in that position, or he's not perfect because he isn't quite sure of where he stands in the pecking order. Whereas now, I think he knows where he is in the pecking order. And I think that is what, I don't know. I feel like I've said a lot there without saying much. Basically, last year, look at last year, right? He was fine. Once, he got, once Crowley went out, he didn't make a single mistake. He reeled off countless wins in a row. Why? Because he looked around and he felt like he had the situation under control. Hurlins came back. He started making mistakes. Why? Hurlins was back. And in his head, suddenly,
1: he wasn't quite sure where the land
2: lied and whether he had the situation under control. That sounds a little
1: bit more like pressure than anything else. Well, so when I, the pressure is like, on, he makes mistakes. I feel like what I've actually
2: done there is just explain a normal situation with a normal person in, every, in, every, in any sport or any walk of life.
1: Yeah, so basically you're saying that guys can't handle pressure.
2: No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that...
1: But well, like when not, pressure's applied, he makes mistakes. No,
2: not, not, not pressure applied. I'm not saying pressure applied. I'm saying in his own mind, if he isn't quite certain with what the situation is and where the land lies then that causes issues. Can you stop watching friends?
1: <laughs> Jennifer Aniston just put a a telephone on a booby so um uh, it got me distracted. Oh. Okay.
2: Any thoughts on that? From what you've seen, you've been at a 1GP now. What did you see with Geyser? Uh, also, he's a sandman now. He's just for sandmaster.
1: He uh, he did look good in the sand. The one thing which um I I was one thing I I, I I kept my eye on was for the riders who seemed to be able to make up time and um, Geiser was one of them when he when he did drop the bike uh, in the second race uh, he was able to uh, you know he was quite a way back he was able to not only um, literally pick the bike up and get back on it and blah 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 and, and all the rest of it and rather than just sort of tread the same speed as everybody else he chased people down not only did he chase people down but he was close to the the three in front at the end and that's what i kept the lookout for the over over the whole of wednesday was just what riders were able to pull back um the space in front of them and and also charge forward and i think that stuck out with me with a lot of people will say oh um i think you mentioned that with crowley if he gets a good start he's there if he doesn't get the if he doesn't get the start now then he doesn't seem to go forward. very. No, I mentioned
2: that as in it's an age thing. I think, like, uh, but when you, everyone, everybody gets to that point where they have it, if the situation is correct, but they don't quite have it if the situation isn't correct. I.e. Chad reed say, let's go Chad Reed 2016, um, which would have been his first year on a factory Yamaha, or first year in his second stint with factory Yamaha. Um, San Diego 1 and Anaheim 2, he got a good start and he could see the front and he pushed Dungy for the win both times and could have easily won those races. Other rounds where that situation didn't play out and he had a mid-pack start, he couldn't move forward. And I feel like that's maybe where Caroli's at. But then, honestly, Caroli's confused the hell out of me at this point.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because when I was watching Caroli the weekend, and and I know we were talking about Geyser, but... When I when I watched Coroli, it was like a diff, It was like a, when it, when, they, when you have a football match and you say it's a tell of two halves. Basically, race one was a completely different Coroli to what race two was. Race race one, it just felt that Coroli was something didn't seem to sit right. He was just going through the motions in the race, finished the race, and that was it. But within in race two, I felt that he had the the speed. And was comfortable to run with Prado. He was having fun. He was swapping lines. He he in, in a way, it was like the old Coroli or whatever, or a Crowley of six months ago or a year ago, or whenever the last time he felt that good. But it felt like he knew that he could stay with Prado and keep that pace. That that was the completely different Coroli to what we've seen in the first race.
2: But this is the thing that I can't quite figure Coroli out at the moment because we're talking like this about him, but he was winning GPs not too long ago. And Manta for free, he battled with Guy. Like, I'm not sure what's changed. Spain, I kind of get, because that isn't a Coroli track now. Uh, four years ago, five years ago, six years ago, he could have won on anywhere, anything. But Spain was clearly a track that played to guys' strengths versus Coroli's. Lommel makes no sense to me, and I can't quite figure out what it is whether it's for track, because if you ride, like this isn't the normal amazing Lommel that we've seen of crazy passes and all of that stuff because the riders say there's more moisture in the dirt because of the time of year, so it's heavier sand, which means it's, there's not as many lines and that's why the racing maybe isn't as good as previous Lommels, part one. So maybe that's, what, maybe that's it, just Crowley didn't have a start and that's that. Or um, option B, which I can't remember what I was going to say is option B, well, obviously everyone's talking about his knee, but then he told me I—I I don't know because last time I spoke to him, I thought it sounded like the knee wasn't. Well, actually, no, he did say the knee was a problem, but I'm not sure how much of a problem it is because, like you say, he battled for the win in the second race, so the knee isn't going to work fine when he gets a good start. So I think it just—I think it does just come down to that. But either way, championship's over. Uh, guys has won his fourth world. I should, maybe I should still say is going to win. But Geyser is going to win his fourth world title. Second in a row. First rider to win two in a row. Actually, I thought about this on Wednesday. He will be the first rider to win two in a row since Caroli in 13 and 14. We've had a decent little streak of different champions every year. Obviously, Fevra, Geyser, Caroli, Hurlins, Geyser. So what? Five years? five years of different champion every year, which is pretty mad considering 2009 to 2014, we had the same guy every single year. But I think, I think it's done. I genuinely do. I don't see how, I don't see how this comes back because I don't think Geyser makes mistakes or mistakes to I the level know. that will give up a 55-point lead.
1: I don't know. You have to... I mean, we, we've seen some crazy things this year. And, and these tracks are you know, are tough and the riders are at different speeds and they're willing to um, take chances. We've still got four rounds left. We've got a triple header in Italy. Anything can happen. You, there could be one DNF, one crash. I don't know, think that's
2: enough. I don't think one DNF or one may, crash is enough.
1: Maybe not, but all I'm saying is that I don't think you can carry anything out at the moment. It's just, yep, he's in control. And what you've just said is when he's in control, that's when he makes less mistakes. That's when he's at his best, yeah. Yeah. So um, it all depends on whether he, you know... Uh, Something happens and Crowley is able to assert some pressure on reducing the points. That's what that's the time, which, um, from what you're saying, is going to be the time that's going to affect Crowley, uh, is going to affect Geyser the most. But um, forget Geyser, forget Crowley. What's this Brian Bogers 2.0? What the hell? Where did that come from?
2: Your standard thing, aren't you? are just jumping. <laughs> You no, not jump. not at all. I mean... You do just jump. Like, we've just, we're have just we just exiting the championship yeah. conversation and going and down it, to the rider
1: of finish. Because, season. if anything, that guy was, was rider of the day. I mean, to go pole in, in time practice and then put in... Not, it wasn't just a one result. It was putting two solid results. That is something that we didn't see happening at the start of the day.
2: We're going back to... We will go back to Geyser after this because I do have more to say but um supposedly a few people have told me he's now got a factory engine from KTM and I didn't even know this. Bogus is a test rider for WP and KTM anyway. I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that. Similar to how
1: um wasn't that what, what the role what Leoc had or yeah, something? Yeah, Leoc's Husqvarna. Okay.
2: So I didn't so it turns out he's now apparently he's now got a factory engine as well so I guess that helps. And supposedly there's a good chance of him ending up on um standing construct gas gas next year in Monticelli's seat so everyone slagged off bogus last year every single person you did every single person last year every single person doesn't deserve a factory ride
1: you do he, HR when he was on Honda you just yeah, said what the hell's he doing so done? did
2: you everyone did doesn't deserve a factory ride uh, looking forward to seeing what HRC can do with another rider in that seat well had this been the last two years HRC would have gone 1-2 in time practice with Bogus and Geyser. So I guess he's making everyone eat their words. And this is a nice little thing for him.
1: What else did you want to talk about um, with Geyser?
2: So he reckons he's always been this good in the sand. He doesn't think he's actually really made... Actually, that's, not... that's a lie. Hell a lie. He's... He reckons he has made improvements lately, but he's always been better in the sand than people think. In his own words, he would just come to the Lommel GP and get psyched out, which I felt was a pretty big
1: admittance. What, as in, got intimidated by the rest of the competition?
2: No, I got intimidated by the situation and the track. And so, but that doesn't seem to be happening. But
1: now. that sounds like self doubt.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he's never, he's never, he'll admit, I'm sure he's not the best sand rider in the field. And I'm sure that. The win you could tell when he went 2-2 to win the GP last year, he was so happy. He didn't even win a moto, but he was so happy to win the GP at Lommel. And I think that we are seeing the after effects of that now this week, because I think that's flicked the switch for him. And he suddenly thought, you know what? I can do it at Lommel. And I genuinely think that shows in his riding now. And he, don't get me wrong, far and away, he is a better rider at Lommel this year than he was at Lommel last year. So I think a lot of credit goes to that bike as well. But again, Maybe we should have seen this coming because he was good at Vulcan squad as well. He pushed Hurlins there, which no, again, no one saw coming. So right now it's hard to point to a fault in Geyser's program. Does that mean that had Hurlins been here, he'd be running away with his thing still? No. But in the situation, with how the situation is currently, he just seems to have everything where it needs
1: to be. Okay. Um are you happy now? Do you feel like you've 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 talked enough about Tim? Um Is there anything you want to add?
2: Well, I kinda of wanna talk about I feel like I want to talk about how amazing it is that he's gonna win his fourth world title, but I feel like maybe we should save that until he actually does it.
1: I would, because you're pretty good at um Yeah. Okay. Well let's let's talk about the winner. Jorge Prado. You know what?
2: I forgot he won. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, because I my mind this week is just on wow, Geyser is bloody good in the sand. That's literally where my and to be fair, he didn't win on Wednesday. Was he the best rider? Yeah, I think he was. As you know, tell a lie, Fever was the best rider.
1: But Fever just can keep it on two <laughs> yeah. wheels. But anyway, yeah, talk about Prada. Well, I, I you know I think again rookie season coming into this triple header and normal and um. You know he he didn't really put a foot wrong he got the, he got the start in both races um, stayed up front and he just he's just looking every week a more complete rider on a 450, just seems to be in control, doesn't seem to take chances, just seems to be riding within his means and I think that's got to be scary for the rest of the competition when somebody that young, that energetic in his rookie year and is looking really, really good. Doesn't look out of his comfort zone. Doesn't seem to be taking chances, but is winning races and winning, and winning overalls.
2: Um, he was third overall on Sunday, first overall Wednesday, which is bloody good. A at Lommel and B in your first season on a 450. I think he is bummed
1: right now. Why? Because of, I think, of the injury I think he, at the start of the year.
2: No, I think he had big plans to get back in the title fight this week. I do genuinely believe that in his heart, he was coming here to get back in the championship race and make his interested in Trentino. I I full, didn't get that from him, but talking to him in Spain, I think it was quite clear that he had not given up on his title. And this was a big week in his mind and I feel like now it's starting to see, sink in and maybe it's not going to happen.
1: Well, like I said, for him and for Caroli, they just need to keep the pressure on and and just, not in the hope, but, you know, the, the Moto Gods at some point will, will turn around and, you know, you never know when you're going to be on the rough end uh, of something happening. So, you know, Geyser's in control but, you, you you can't, you can't count the others out yet. Anything can happen.
2: No, no, no. But he's not going to sit there and go. Well, I'm still in this because if something happens, he's got. In his, I'm sure he's now realising that actually, barring disaster for Geyser, this is going to be a two-tall situation. But again, you've got to think as well. Well, actually, no, that's even irrelevant now. I was going to say you can't forget about that second motor at Mantua, but even add on those 18 points or whatever. It's just, I'm just not really, very, really feeling this MXGP title fight anymore because I'm so convinced it's over, that I'm just like, well, yeah, and, it,
1: it, it, and maybe it is, but I think you've got to kind of look at this. You know, guys just put in solid performances throughout, throughout the year. Has had a couple of hiccups and that's it, but he's been pretty solid. Um, but then you look at the, the title fight behind of Crowley Prado, uh, and see where in, it's literally 17 points separating three riders. Jeremy is, is, I don't know what's kind of going on there. It's just not clicking like it was earlier on in the year. I mean, I mean, you mentioned on a previous podcast that he doesn't look at the points. I'm just wondering if he looked at the points and panicked because up until when we were talking about this, he just looked so fast, so in control of this. And it really looked like he had an outside chance of actually going one step further than he has done. And it was looking really good. I have no idea what is what has happened in, 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 in that time for him to... Look, he just doesn't look like he's firing on all cylinders. There was a... Uh, I think he crashed on the waves. I think he... I don't know if he jumped out of the track. There was a couple of incidents the weekend which, which kind of like just didn't seem this, the same consistent, in-control Jeremy Sea were.
2: Um, he did say in the Yamaha, I didn't talk to him on Wednesday. Um, I talked to him on Sunday and he was actually pretty happy of how we rode and everything, considering starts and crashes and things like that. But he did say in the Yamaha statement, which is taking a while to load, uh, he did say that the season is getting long, so it's getting really tough to stay mentally and physically 100% which I felt was pretty telling because you don't just throw that out there for no reason, No, I don't think. No. So I felt that was pretty telling. So he's but
1: mentally tired.
2: No, he's been all right. He's been all right this week. You've got to remember, he's not a Lommel guy. Like you would put Caroli okay, I don't know if I put, I don't know whether to put guys in that category because I would now. Maybe you wouldn't have at the start of this Lommel week, but either way, there are lots of riders you would put ahead of Jeremy in the power rankings coming into Lommel. So he's doing fine. This was, even if he was in the title fight, this week was always going to be about damage limitation for him to then capitalize in Trentino. Like I don't think in any situation he was going to come here and go one, 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 one. So it is, I don't think he's doing, is he doing, is he killing it and doing incredible? No. Is he doing bad? No, I think he's doing just fine. But I also feel a bit bad for him because I know that fourth overall in the championship will not make him happy. But hey
1: ho. I um no, it, it, I'm just saying from from kind of you know what I seen the weekend. Uh, sorry, what I seen Wednesday. which just it just didn't seem. You know, like you you get to. I, I think this, like I said at the start of the show, when you're watching like TV is just. I just don't really want to watch on TV anymore. after have to go into the race because. You just see so many things, and, and actually, any website which doing live updates from a TV or trying to to do this, I completely understand when you say that we can never cover the Supercross series by watching it on TV. Yeah,
2: this is why. This is I, why I, I've I complete, always said that's the. That's why I've always said like, whenever we don't go to a GP, whether it's because of Russian viewers or last year when I was ill or whatever, that's why whenever we're not at a GP, I always refuse to do live updates from TV even if it's our last resort, because I think you've got to maintain a level. And our level is being at races and scenes, seeing the stuff that other people don't, and also talking to people to learn that Bogus has a factory engine now, to learn that DeSalle wants to go to America, to, to learn all of these things, to talk, like, even the conversations that you have that don't go anywhere. Like, the amount of conversations I've had this week that I haven't recorded, but just adds a layer of context to what I tweet and what I say. That then makes the MX 5 stuff worth listening to and reading. Like, because sometimes I even sometimes I even like, oh, am I doing enough? Is it worth me even being here? Could I just do the same? Uh, no, it's not it's not not possible.
1: No, I, I, this, not possible. That, that was not a statement about you. Um this was a statement about oh, I thought
2: you were doing an employee evaluation.
1: No, no, not employee evaluation. Even I have my clipboard and my pen just seeing how you're getting on. No, I I, I <laughs> I just think it's ridiculous doing live updates or trying to add insights when you're not there. Um, There was a
2: website, and I'm not going to name names, but this is funny and this will make people laugh. There was a website that does live updates from the TV and in Spain uh, tweeted that Tom Vial wins MX2 Moto1 at his home GP. And I was stood in pit lane and it popped up because quite a lot of people took the fun out of it. And I did have a good old chuckle because I like that's that's the insights you getting from being at the races. You find out what country riders are from. Isn't it?
1: well, I wasn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't know about that. But I, and, but
2: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Just laughs really. I'm just giving people that like, make people that make people stay. That will
1: that makes. But I, I'm just saying this from a personal point of view. That you know, I have an opinion from when I watch uh, TV, and I was obviously. Um, Pretty damning in the um, Spanish report from my from, from watching on TV.
2: Yeah, and I said, had you been there, you would say something completely different.
1: Yeah, and I, and I take my hat off because being in Lawmore, I learned so much. And forget what's happening with you know whether bogers is on a you know factory engine or anything else. I'm just I'm just talking about the track and the conditions in uh, the lines that are available, and um, you know, chatting to the riders and listening to them and stuff. I and, and it's just. It was just so different. So so different. And it's hard to put my my finger on it, but it's just like being there and, and understanding in it just makes you it just make gives you a different opinion. A different completely different opinion on everything. So yeah, I was pretty um I was yeah, I was I was pretty negative toward towards Spain. And probably I was right in, in, in some aspects, but I've got to be honest. Um, it was a bit of a wake up call for myself by being in Lommel and just seeing, seeing the track and seeing how tough and, and just how rough it got just literally the straight in front of pit lane the braking bumps were just ridiculous it was it was crazy um,
2: do you now feel like maybe you've been slacking on this podcast all along is this the start of a new you
1: no 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 my, my level of well, podcast has been optimum
2: Everyone's gonna be very disappointed to hear
1: that. I don't think so. I think there only needs to be one expert in this um, in this podcast, and that's me. Um so, um I like to talk about obviously the riders which um and, and you know, I know like you used to do you'd like to do an a, like an order and power well, rankings that, when wait, talking no, about riders. If
2: we, if we go through the results then that way we don't miss anyone. Because if you jump around, you You're miss blocked. things and you drop and you forget about things. Like if you go in order, then you kind of make sure that you tick all your boxes and no, that, that's like, great, that but, way I know
1: what I want to say. But look at my face. I didn't care if I miss anyone.
2: Well, that's a, that's not a good podcast because I might have something really good to say about. All right, I I'll throw a name at you. Okay. Okay. You're gonna wait. Oh, God, hold on. Let me guess. What are the bets you were gonna say? Heike Jeans. No. February. Oh, that's what I was hoping you were gonna go next.
1: Tell me, what, what were
2: your insights? Well, if I remember right, he won a motor at Lommel last year, and he's always been pretty good at Lommel. Like, remember Assen when he won the title? Oh,
1: yeah, Lomble I remember that, that like, I yesterday. I think Lomble
2: that year, he went 3-3, I think. Because I think Simpson definitely won 1-1, and I feel like Paul Allen went 2-2. But either way, he's always been pretty handy in the sand. So maybe this shouldn't be a surprise. But my God, is speed on Wednesday. Like, but again, this is where I'm this is kind of what I was saying before his GP win first
1: GP but win. But hang on, on the hang on. Wasn't he too fast for his own good?
2: No, no, no. But this is what this is what I was saying on before he won that first GP win on the Kawasaki, which I called, by the way. The reason I was saying he was gonna win is because I didn't understand how it couldn't work out for him. And similarly, looking at how fast he's been in Lomo, again, I'm kind of like, well, I don't really understand why it's not worked out for you. Because He was 4 seconds a lap faster than anyone else on quite a few occasions. And you know what? To that point as well, um, tip of the old hat, Sekamoto, after Geyser had that crash and was coming through the field or whatever, uh, last couple of laps, penultimate lap especially, he was 3 to 4 seconds quicker than the top 3. So, Geyser had that raw speed on him, was phenomenal. Deserves a bit of credit. Can't believe he didn't get on the podium. I think he was quite pissed off after that second moto. Um, yeah, it was impressive stuff. Impressive stuff. Yeah,
1: like, I, I agree the speed was there, but but wow, quickly it can go quite wrong.
2: But um, to that point, uh, second to last lap of the second moto, uh, Prado did a 209, Caroli did a 209, Fevra did a 208, Geyser did a 205. So... Geyser isn't just lucking into these results at Lommel. He has genuinely got some. Is packing some speed in the sand.
1: Yeah, he, he, the last I think the last four laps, I think he was carving off a couple of seconds each lap, wasn't he? To close down.
2: Yeah, I was. I'm impressed with Geyser. I genu- I genuinely take my hat off to his improvements in the sand and how he's handling this situation because no one had predicted this. Literally, no one thought Geyser was going to come out and basically stamp this title in the sand of Lommel. It's
1: a fair play to the guy. Okay. Uh, What about your friend Gautier?
2: Oh, my friend Gautier. Um, Well, he broke down crying, which is new for MXGP. We don't have that very often. Motocross doesn't have that very often. But unlike Michael Essie after that heat race in at Anaheim 1 in 2014. Gautier actually cried for like a very legitimate reason. Um, after that motor win on Sunday, he broke down in a press conference, like visibly broke down crying because shock, he broke his back in May. And I don't even understand how that stays a secret. But actually, this goes back to what I was saying um, last week. I think I said it on the podcast. In America, so much news and rumours get out because there's gear guys and mechanics. Everyone speaks English, and there's just all these things, <laughs> people around. So news flutters around. Whereas GPS, we don't have that. So guys, uh, guys. So Paul Allen can somehow break his back in May and keep that a secret. So he broke his, maca- his back in May, and what he didn't mention on Sunday, but told me in Wednesday, on Wednesday in an interview, he also knocked himself out quite badly. It sounds like. So I think it really did set him back mentally. It, it like it sounded almost, the way he, he described it to me, it almost sounded like the knocking out was more of a scare than the back. Because he genuinely said like, he didn't know where he was or anything. So he kept that a secret. His race mechanic didn't know. It, it, the team owner knew, the team manager knew, his training mechanic knew, presumably because he was there that day. His race mechanic had no idea until Gotier said that a Lommel. Which, yeah, that, okay, that's typical Gautier, because he is a secretive guy. But, Jesus, how the hell do you keep that a secret? And, you know what? We've all been arsed on him. Fair play, I say, for coming, for coming back from a broken back in May, breaking his finger in August, crashing hard at Fienza in September, and tweaking himself up again. Fair play for getting back to a Moto win. Fair play for getting back on the podium. First motor win since saw 2017, which was a long time ago, if you're not keeping track. Also in the sand. Um, yeah, fair play, you know. All critics aside, fair play.
1: But it's interesting that you say fair play because one of your literally biggest things that grinds your gears is the fact that riders are, they don't talk in MXGP. Yeah,
2: but I don't expect Gautier to text me and go, hey, Lewis, just broke my back, lol.
1: Yeah, and, and, and yeah, funny, but I'm not saying that. But what I'm expecting is a PR or some type of communication because this is what your bug, biggest bugbear was before. Because no one communicates, no one talks, no one seems to put a PR about it. It's all secret, secret, secret.
2: I can't um, really remember what Gautier said to me in the interview exactly, but he did. He was very honestly. Um, okay, first of all, anyone who's listened to the fly race and post race Podcast, apologies because. Gautier's mechanic was in just seemed to be adamant that he was gonna spray an air gun non-stop while we were doing an interview. It was a 12-minute interview. He didn't even break once. So thanks for that. Would have been a phenomenal interview, I reckon, without the air gun. Even with the air gun, go and listen to it because I don't think I've ever heard Gautier that passionate. He was getting like riled up about the industry and what things people say and stuff like that. Like he was different to normal like i can't really i honestly i couldn't hear what he was saying because of the air
1: gun so
2: i was firing from the old hip in the interview
1: is this um, what's this french websites
2: what no just people in general he was going off at the people Oh people people go ah oh, oh pull and potential oh 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 it means nothing like i was scared i was like take my money i'm sorry I didn't know. At one point, I wondered if he was mad at me because I couldn't really, I couldn't really hear him because he we had masks on and there was an air gun going, and I could just see he was getting angry. And I was like, is he mad at me or is he just talking about something else? I don't really know.
1: What I'm interested in is is where has this come from? Because Gaultier has been very guarded about what he puts out and what he says. It it feels like, um, and and obviously it's not come from us because, uh, um, obviously we're quite highly critical you know, of, of, of riders if, if we expect more. And I know that, um, like, last year I was predicting him a win and we, it, we had a little bit of, well, you took the piss out of me because you were like, oh, mm-hmm. and how's I your right. Portland prediction going? I was
2: right. I was right about last year. Yeah. I, and also, also, I think I said he could win a moto this year because you know what? I watch year by year. I'm not setting my ways. I will make, I, will, I am dynamic with my predictions. I will call it as I see it year by year.
1: I'm on fire with my what, predictions. What the hell was that? Know, you actually just, got a little bit. Your just, voice got quite high. Then I
2: just realised I'm on fire with my predictions.
1: Right, okay. thanks for thanks for that. This this isn't Lewis podcast show. I it's,
2: am fucking phenomenal.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> if if you could see him now, he's like Billy Big Bollocks sat on his chair, um, just loving life.
2: This is right. I'm enjoying this podcast. To be fair,
1: I'm not. Um, I was actually hoping that we'd have had technical problems and we didn't have to do it.
2: To be honest, we might be wasting our time.
1: Could be. Um, Right, on that note, um, we're going to go for a a small commercial break. Uh, We would like to thank... And I think I mentioned it at the start of the the show. We're going to be giving away a uh, new Fly helmet in the coming weeks.
2: (laughs) It's actually a Fly formula helmet.
1: Okay, a fly a formula helmet with rayon technology. So, um, keep a listen out on uh, the latest podcast shows over the next couple of weeks and also social media, where we will be going into uh, more detail about how you can win one. And it tell won't... us
2: about the fly racing formula helmet, James?
1: Really? Okay. So uh, Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes, as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. And I'm a, I'm a
2: European. Can I get the Fly Formula Helmet in Europe? Yes, you can, Lewis. Oh, really?
1: Yes, you can so get it from the OR. Your... So
2: it's not, it's not just America. Like, I can grab it no matter if I live in Germany, France, Sweden, UK, Absolutely. Italy. I can, I can get myself a Fly Formula Helmet. That's taken America by storm and just won the 450MX title in 2020, Pro Motocross, and use it myself.
1: Absolutely, the same helmet. Well, this is not a factory helmet. Knock me this down. This is the same helmet.
2: Okay, brub, I'm gonna go and um, buy myself a helmet. Brilliant. From the Netherlands, because that's where I currently am.
1: Okay, thanks to Fly Racing, Leap Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK. And Talon Engineering. We'll be back in five. You are listening to
4: the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com.
0: Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go
3: to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in
5: motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com.
2: Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more.
0: Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show.
1: Welcome back to episode 48 of the MX Vice Podcast Show. Hope you, uh, oh God, Lewis is touching something. That's fine. And it wasn't me. Anybody gets any ideas he wasn't touching me, even though we're in the same hotel room. With an air, oil, separated, closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all anodized internal parts and DLC-coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. By adding a mid-speed valve, the KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is a custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. You too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com for/slash kyb-factory-kit-suspension-info for more information. I did actually take a, a trip to Technical Touch today. Always good to pop in and uh, see the guys there. And uh, if you've never been, you kind of walk in and you've never seen so many Everts shirts up on the uh, up on the walls. It's a really cool place. You go in, it's obviously all the new Yoko kit and in uh in all the suspension parts hinson trig just it's just such a cool place out at the back is is all the where literally they'd order the suspension and everything else so it's a really really cool place to see I do enjoy spending some time there and it's quite funny actually because um you've got kind of technical touch on you know there you've got um the ice one team uh next door so as we're sort of driving past we we give uh, we've seen anti today from uh, ice ones so we gave him a little uh a little bit of a wave, and then obviously next door to uh, technical Ch- touches, uh, Jackie Martin's. So he was out there today chatting as well. So it it really is in the hub of uh, like the European California uh, version. Uh, it is, it's is quite a cool place around Longmaw with with the amount of people and in, in you know riders and stuff around it. So um, we were talking about MXGP in uh, the first part of the show, Lewis. Um, we've talked about you know a little bit about Bogers, who who I think was super impressive.
2: I think um, the weekend we need to talk about Paulanne a little bit more uh, because we kind of covered the broken back fiasco, um, covered the breakdown, gave him props for his Moto One win on Sunday.
1: Brilliant! It'd be the great podium. if you could have done that in your head ah. rather than talk through it. And <laughs> well, also, um, what
2: we do need? Can to we say finish this
1: podcast sometime is, tonight? I believe
2: that Yamaha are now having three riders on the factory team in MX2, Uh, Gertz, Renault, Beniston. I would not be surprised that if Yamaha added a third seat to the factory team in MXGP, and I would also not be surprised if paul Ann is in the running for that. So maybe that happens. And if that doesn't happen, then I don't know what happens because I, I don't think Gasgas is done, but I think Gasgas Jonas is definitely done. I think, and I think the second seat is between Monticelli and Bogus. Uh, Husky's done. Olson does a KTM's done. Crowley, Hurlings, Prado. Kawasaki's not done, but I don't think I no longer think Paul Ann's in the running there. Although truthfully, no one's actually told me otherwise, so maybe that's wrong. Um, but what that's... Other team is there? What other team is it? I'm missing one. No, I'm not. Honda. Uh, yeah. Hey Charles. Um, Geyser Evans. So, I feel that is probably his best shot at um, staying on factory equipment, but then maybe
1: that doesn't even happen. Maybe they don't even add a third rider. So, you don't think Paul Land back to Kawasaki is a thing? I
2: don't, well, no, it, it was a rumor. I just don't feel like I've heard anyone say that lately. So, in my head, I've kind of gone, well, it's probably not happening. And also, I know some other stuff that makes me think otherwise. Okay.
1: But when you, you may s- know
2: who's got that ride, I'm not saying I can't say though.
1: When you start looking at the the Wilvo uh, factory Yamaha team,
2: I'm at wait hold on that was a dick thing to say. The ride, no one's signed yet, so I don't know who's got that ride. I was just joking,
1: just trying to make yourself sound important. No, because it um no you it are pisses James off when I say you're, that. You're trying to sound important. No,
2: don't do that. That's what I normally do to you. Don't don't okay. don't throw that at me. It's
1: okay. Um. But when you start looking at okay, Yamaha's going to Say Yamaha open up a third uh, position. You've got potentially Coldenhoff who could be going there,
2: and they've got three riders this year. Remember, so it's not like a um no no no, no thing.
1: Sure, but you have Coldenhoff who is uh, rumored to be on X amount of pounds. You've got um, Jeremy there who's who's on a on, on you know another another good salary. Um, I'm guessing Gauthier's on a good salary. That's a very expensive team.
2: Yeah, and I'd imagine if they do run a third seat, that is what the decision will hinge on because a third rider is typically not well paid or to the extent that the other two
1: are. Yeah. Because... And we do know that Ben Watson has intimated that he would like to stay within the Yamaha family.
2: Yeah, no, he hasn't. He said at Mantua Free that he's in talks with the Yamaha family, but that Yamaha have bloody up. The Yamaha family is like... You know one of those families that Christmas dinner is like 25 people? That is the Yamaha family. Because, like, you've got Geben, you've got SM Action, you've got Wilvo, you've got Kimia, you've got Hutter Metal, you've got MJC, you've got another team that I'm probably forgetting. Like, the Yamaha Yamaha have got options for their riders. If you're in the Yamaha family, you could end up bloody anywhere yeah, if that, you're in the husky family we pretty much know where you're gonna go if you're in a gas gas family you really we really know where you're gonna go
1: do you know i, I always as, as you know i have my opinions on um on manufacturers and business is something which um business side of all this is something which I'm, I'm eternally fascinated on and one of the things when i was in in when I was in the pit row, kind of looking, looking down and looking at the bikes and, you know, looking at the riders they've got. I'm actually really impressed with Yamaha as a company. The way that they have invested and every press release which is, which is being put out, there's a specific set of words uh, which I found very, very interesting. And it's with uh, Benestan and also Gertz with Renault with a few of the riders now about how these riders have come into Yamaha and they're staying with Yamaha and they're using the terms of growing up and with the family of Yamaha. They, it feels like Yamaha has definitely looked at what KTM's done. And because they still have these two-stroke bikes, 65, 85, and 125, um, which are viable options, um, I think they've, they, they are in pole position now as the best Japanese uh, company out there to, to, to literally look after those riders coming up on a two-stroke bike and have um, you know a path for them as they get older, I I, I actually got to tip my um my tip my hat to uh, to Yamaha, even though you know I'm Team Green, um because I think it's it's really cool to see, and from a business point of view, they really are trying their best to take it to KTM. Yeah,
2: the best um, way of looking at that is 2012. The team was really like Yamaha and MXGP was really a, probably at the lowest point, like. Everts was long gone at that point. Coppins was gone. Frostard was great in 2011, but had injuries and problems in 2012. Roland wasn't really doing much in his first year in the class. Like Yamaha in 2012 was. Or 2013, actually. Am oh, I thinking 2013? Yeah, I'm thinking 2013. Because, yeah, sorry, 2013. Yamaha in 2013 was really at a low point in MXGP. And to think of where they are now, seven years later, it is pretty mad. Um, because, again, Think about it. There was a while where they lost Monster as a title sponsor. They're, the factory Yamahas were just blue with no sponsor. And that was because there wasn't really anything going on there. Like, there was no step um, pyramid system. There was no wins. There was no podiums. There was, there was nothing. And they've kind of... Whereas most factories would get to that point and slowly diver out, i.e. Suzuki, um... Yamaha kind of rebounded in the strongest way possible and really and made and made a bit of a statement to any other team that it is kind of possible to have champions, have race wins, lose that completely, and go to the other end of the spectrum where you're going there, going to a GP hoping for top tens, and then get back to the championship contention level
1: yeah it's good and uh let's not forget they they have obviously the blue crew uh where um Riders can compete. It's usually at the Motocross Nations. We've not had it this year, but the winner is actually of...
2: supposed to be this Sunday.
1: Okay, so it's cancelled. So the winner of those classes, they're actually getting an opportunity um, with the teams. So we've seen it before with, um, I know that Tim Edberg won the one two five. Beniston won. Beniston, exactly. So, so these riders are, um, you know, progressing quite well within Yamaha, and they 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 are. They do seem to be looking after, which is exactly the same as what KTM are doing. So um, it's great. It it'd be interesting to see if other manufacturers are gonna start putting in the same sort of because obviously they must be looking at both of those manufacturers and seeing the success that they're having. And you have gotta believe it's it's about it's a bit like grassroots football where you you have an academy and you have your homegrown players and, and and you nurture them and bring them through, so you don't have to spend on massive transfer fees. Where if you've got this talent in, in, a, in a great talent pool to riders to pick through, and you can keep them on your manufacturer, that investment is going in. So where where perhaps on um, for for other riders uh, they're investing and then they get to a certain point in in KTM Nabo. So I, I I just I just think it's pretty cool what they've put in place. But that's it. I just, that's all I wanted to say. But it's something I was thinking about in Pit Lane.
2: You mentioned Pit Lane a lot.
1: I spent a lot of time there. I know. Do
2: you want people to know that you had a pass to go in Pit Lane? You no, not off? really.
1: Okay. No, 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 not at all. But um, I was
2: discussing this in the VIP restaurant that only certain people can get in. I felt that was kind of where you were
1: going. Is that what you were going for? No, no, okay. not at all. No, no, not at all. Um, I don't really venture out too much if I'm usually in Pit Lane or sometimes I walk around the track, but not very often.
2: Props to Vlandrin for 7th overall because he had a bit of a mare on uh, Sunday with first up crashes and whatnot. But 7th uh, overall was decent. And as always now, got to point out, he's riding with a torn ACL. So that's even more impressive.
1: Especially around Lommel.
2: Also, I would be interested to know when, the, and this rolls into my nice, next point quite nicely, there was two Dutch riders in the top seven overall at Lommel. Wednesday. Yep. Without Hurlins, I'd be interested to know when that last happened without Hurlins.
1: Would it have been Bogers in in Koldenhof? I
2: can't. I wouldn't think so, unless it happened in Mantova, because or actually Spain, because Bogers was quite good in Spain, wasn't he? Maybe it has happened recently. But my point is, the Netherlands are actually in a little bit of a strong position now that Bogers is doing well again, and Vlander is in MXGP. But leads to my point being. Uh, Vlandrin was Team South Africa they for some reason disowned him what well, I would even... like,
1: to, like to know because oh. you, you're just sounding boring
2: no I hope you're not going to step on my
1: point that I'm getting to okay carry on your oh. point before I, I step in
2: Vlandrin uh, was Team South Africa then they disowned him and then he was the Team the Netherlands uh, he now seems to be Team Belgium because his gear his moose gear um, literally looks like the gear that they would have given to a Belgian rider at the Nations Okay, thanks
1: for that. That was what I was building to. (laughs) So mine was a little bit more exciting because I was stood there watching Vlander in uh, the weekend and uh, he was coming towards pit lane. There was a double and it goes into a corner. And he literally... Where is there a
2: double going into pit lane? There's a wall jump.
1: It's still a... It's not a wall jump.
2: There is not not a landing. (laughs) There,
1: There is into the corner. There is into the corner. Anyway, anyway. No, everyone...
2: Everyone, no, it was not a landing. Oh my god! Why it is, is awesome. he? I don't give
1: a fuck. Right, what it is?
2: Peeking, let me check
1: my levels. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> what it is? What <laughs> I was trying to say is basically Vladerin hit. It was pretty windy. Vladerin hit the jump or the double jump or whatever you want to call it. But Vladerin hit it and was heading towards a digger. So, what? if you're listening to this, Carolvin, forget Lewis being a dick on the other side of this. Uh, well, I'm not chair. saying
2: I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm just saying he didn't jump a double because it's a it's a wall
1: jump. Okay, um, Vlander and hit a wall jump. Honestly, fuck my life.
2: I'm gonna give you a, for Sunday. I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna
1: give you a motocross for dummies book with the obstacles and their names. You're such a prick. Honestly, I didn't even know why I fucking bother doing this. It, within about three seconds you can just make me just want to fucking quit this
2: it's fine continue
1: anyway but fuck it right you <laughs> carry on talking <laughs> um <laughs> now continue nope. because you
2: had a point to make about nope. Vlandering no nope. oh. no nope, you carry on um <laughs> final point on Vlandering that I wanted to say he very nearly didn't have a ride in MXGP this year and he is now proving to be a top five contender and all of that. Mental, that we almost, like, he almost wasn't out there this year, and we almost lost this rider that now appears to be a major part of the future of the class. So, just mad we almost got to that situation. Ha, huh, James.
1: I'd just like to say that Tottenham are winning 2 0 because Lewis has pissed me off so much that I'm now going to watch football.
0: Don't,
2: this is a podcast. We're having fun.
1: This is not fun.
2: Okay, we'll go back to having fun. DeSalle. we need to talk about DeSalle. I feel like we are literally talking about every rider, but soon we're going to miss.
1: Soon we're going to miss riders. Soon because... we're going to miss the fucking. <laughs> the battery's going to run out on this because you just want to no, talk about I'm... every single no, rider. I'm not
2: talking about every single rider, but it just turns out that the top eight riders all have a thing to say. After this, I ain't got much to say about anyone else.
1: Well, you have you had an emotional connection with the the weekend. I fully expected to sell to come out swinging. A... Shut, he... shut up! I expected to sell to come out swinging. This is his last couple of GPS at home. I thought he really was gonna like surprise everybody and go podium. And I don't know. <laughs> don't just give yeah, I don't know.
2: Just like what was he doing? He's not. Um. He yeah, but he he's not a sand. He's a hard pack specialist in a way.
1: Wait, he's lived in Belgium for a while. You would have thought he got used to it. No, he lived in Belgium for a while. He's Belgian. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That was uh, me being... Oh. oh my God. This is what happens when um, you when you do a podcast um, with um, somebody who's got autism. <laughs> I can say that because my daughter's got autism I, and I'm really able to spot the signs. And
2: I can... Yeah, legally, I can say that, that was a false statement. It's, um, it's not false. No, he's, he's on the spectrum. For whatever reason, he's always been... A hard pack specialist. He's never been a Lommel guy. Um, Maybe he should go there a little bit often. I don't know if... I don't know actually know what part of Belgium he lives in. Is there... Because he is a French speaker, isn't he? So where is the French speaking part of Belgium? Is that Lommel? Yeah, I would what say... What language n- are he speaking Lommel? I would I say imagine? near the French border. Well, I'd imagine it's hard pack around there, wouldn't you? I don't know
1: this is not something
2: we're qualified to talk about. No, no, it's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fucking hell. What a shit show. I'd anyway. like to apologize to all my sponsors. All, all mine, all, <laughs> all, all, all our sponsors.
2: I just have to say that this last five minutes has not been good for the levels. As it's, a producer, not... as a producer, I'm very concerned don't about that about the,
1: I don't know about the levels. I'm on about the quality levels of this podcast. <laughs> um. Anyway, um,
2: so to say, I was retiring at the end of the year, mental. Uh, it's now come to fruition that he would he. I think we said this last week. His statement said, "I'm retiring from MXGP." It never we said this. I'm pretty sure. He, yeah. It never said
1: motocross. We said he would be doing a, maybe a national series yeah, and I think blah, we said blah 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 races yeah. or
2: enduros. Turns out he has a keen interest in going and doing a full outdoor season in America. So much so that like. He's putting it out there at every opportunity, it seems. Um, obviously, what it would be a fill-in ride. And two questions that I wanted answered, so I asked them, as is my job. Um, one, obviously, he's retiring. So what's going to happen if he gets a fill-in ride? Is he just going to be sat on a couch for seven months? He said he's going to continue to ride and continue to train so that if a last-minute fill-in ride comes up, Say a rider gets hurt of the last round of supercross or whatever, he'll still be ready to jump into the position. A. And B, I keep doing this. I don't think I've got a B. Um, yeah. But no, that's what he's that's what he's after. And also in the interview, he said that he did have an offer to do outdoor only with RCH in 2014. Uh, but he turned but he turned down, which he doesn't regret doing, but all through his life, the USA has been on his mind. So he'd like to tick that box and actually just. Have a fun, enjoyable season over there.
1: I think um, uh, he would be really cool joining Max at HEP. So if Max is at HEP next year, then it'd be really cool to, um, for him and DeSalle to be riding outdoors.
2: I can confirm that that will not happen.
1: Okay, thanks for that. I would imagine that his best... So is Max coming back then?
2: No. No. <laughs> no. Oh, God, you've really... You're... No, Max isn't coming back. Max is committed to Supercross. I think that's quite clear to everyone by the bloody fact he's posted videos of him riding Supercross. Never say never. Um, what's I gonna say? Well, oh, I would d- imagine that DeSalle's best. I said I what I said when I said I can confirm that is not gonna happen, I meant that DeSalle won hip. Uh, DeSalle won't I'd uh, imagine De DeSalle would never be on hip. Um,
3: okay.
2: I'd imagine that DeSalle's best opportunity would be JGR. Because Base always need to seem to need a fill-in rider, first of all, because they just seem to have the worst luck with injuries. And that just seems like the most natural fit, because I can't imagine a situation where he'll ever get on Monster Energy Kawasaki in America. HRC? Nah. Um, Yamaha? Nah, because I've got guys like Craig who bump up. Like, if this happens, I feel like JGR will be the one. And the weird thing is, we have no idea if this will happen. We'll be a, like well, let's check in the week before round one 2021 and we'll see if there's a spot that needs to be filled. But it is highly likely that you will see him around in 2021. Cool. Um, also in said interview. Yeah. He, I asked him, because um, I don't interview DeSalle regularly, so I didn't want to go in too harsh. Well, he's
1: never usually got anything he wants to talk about. No,
2: he was very chatty.
1: Um, I've, done, I've I, I done an interview with um, Claremont once. Did you? Yeah. When was this? Uh, a couple of years ago. Did I approve it? I don't know. Um, but basically, when I said, oh, can you do an interview? He said, how long is it going to take?
2: That's what, he says. That's what he normally says to me. But this time, he, this time um, I went up to him and said, can we do an interview? Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. And he went, "Ah, oh, I've got to have my physio. I've got an f- appointment with my physio. And I was like, uh, all right. And he went, no, 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 seriously. It's, an, it's, a, it's a strict thing now with COVID. I've got to go to the physio at this time can you come back in 30 minutes? And I was like, yeah, right. I'll come back in 30 minutes, no stress. Came back in 30 minutes. The physio from Kawasaki actually came out and went, on," said he's going to be 15 more minutes, but he will do the interview. And I was like, Jesus Christ, who is this guy? Where's this guy been for the last yeah. 10 years? But yeah, it was very chat for interview. I'd recommend checking that one out. And there's no air gun in that one, so it's actually not going to make you have a mental breakdown.
1: I wonder whether all the mechanics have got like a bet to say... Uh, how long they can keep the air gun air on when you're doing interviews. I wonder if that's anyway, a thing.
2: my point that I was going to, that I actually just never actually reached, um, he randomly came out with uh, 2011 and 2015 are the two biggest regrets in his career. And actually, I think last week as well, we even talked about <laughs> Well, it. last week was the biggest regret of his career. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, last week on the podcast, I think we talked about how 2015 was a great opportunity for him to be world champ because at the point he got injured, he was 90 points ahead of the eventual world champion. Um, and anyway, so he said twenty eleven and twenty fifteen were the two years he looked back on with biggest regret. And me being me at that point, I jumped in and went, I'm surprised you didn't say twenty twelve was your biggest regret. And he questioned me as to why. And uh I pointed out that that was the season that uh Caroli went uh, DNF DNF at Udavala, which was like round ten, and DeSalle went from forty-seven points down to three points up and had the red plate quite late in the season, but didn't win a championship. And um, he argued with me that that was actually 2014 and not 2012. Clearly, <laughs> didn't know who he was dealing with. <laughs> and I'd like to confirm to people now that I was right and it was 2012.
1: So, um, so not only did he only thought he had two regrets, but now you've given him three. And then, basically, you've worked out that he's got a little bit of dementia as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I bet he's still a great... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's a fan. I actually do.
2: really enjoy talking to him. I actually... Wish he was always that chatty.
1: <laughs> but anyway, okay. Um,
2: also, he wasn't. He was not happy with the track on Sunday. Oh no!
1: What was wrong with the track on Sunday?
2: I can't remember. I,
1: I think his wasn't his words that it was like suicide. I don't think that was his words <laughs> at all. He's never said that. Why would that? Uh, I, think, um, no. I think he described the track as suicidal. No,
2: I, with the broken English, I couldn't quite get to the bottom of it. But it was something like it was just too much. You know, like. He was much happier um, with it on Wednesday, but he did explain that throughout his career he's always been a guy to speak out and uh, tell his, uh, say his mind. But he explained that he's got to do that um, and it's not because he finds it fun or he just wants to be a bad boy. A <laughs> bad boy? He
1: told you what he... <laughs> Oh my god You should see the state of him As he's saying Clement Decel was a bad boy He's losing his it's shit in the It's just
2: a sentence I never thought I'd say <laughs> um,
1: Anyway, moving on So Clement doesn't want to be known as a bad boy
2: Um, No, it's not. that's not why he does it Just for the kick of being that um, Van Orbeek's been decent this week Tixio got a post-race podcast um, Dylan Walsh needs a ride I genuinely don't know If Dylan Walsh doesn't get a ride for next year Then I will kick right off Because Lommel 1 was a mess for him. He was actually solid at Lommel 2. And if he can do that, don't take a photo of me. If he can do that, you're videoing me, don't do that either. Um, If Walsh can do that at Lommel 2 in a year where he wasn't coming in prepared, blah, 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 filling rider, then I genuinely think he can be really good next year and an asset to a team like Jackie Martins. Because Walsh brings interest and Walsh brings sponsors. So I don't understand why Jackie Martins wouldn't jump all over that for next year.
1: But hey ho! Again, it was another rider I watched because obviously he's he's done very well over the last few GPS. You know, watching him, he seems to start very very well. So I'm guessing that is him as a starter because um, the other people on the team don't seem to have have got the same sort of starts. Artem? No, no,
2: Artem's not 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 the greatest. Artem, oh, I've got to come down on Artem, and I hate to do it. Artem screwed Geyser, who was leading the first moto when he got lapped and in the interest of playing fair then proceeded to screw Prado in second as well yeah Artem did not do a very good job of moving out the way
1: but going back to Walsh um I agree it's a good talent and he's really starting to prove himself on uh, for somebody who's just jumped on a 450 this year uh without any testing, without any, any any you know, putting any laps in or anything else. I mean, fair play. If he can literally get 13th in an MXGP class, okay, there are a couple of injuries, but let's put that to the side. What he he has got the talent and 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 he's already shown that he can put the put results in. And we've already seen multiple times of him up front this year. Okay, he's had little uh, little crashes and and you know little instance that you know let's not think about that. Let's think about you know, what do they say? You can work with speed. Yeah, that's what they say. Thanks for that. Um, okay, can we, is it, can, we, can we move off of MXGP uh, now? Because it's getting late. We've yeah. not even done MX2 uh, yet. Let's talk. We're not doing that shit game again, are we? Let's
2: just talk about Brent Are we Van doing Van that game? Uh, maybe. Let's talk about Brent Van Donick. You haven't even
1: got any questions, have you? Uh,
2: no, fine. you haven't. Let's talk about Brent Van Donick. Okay. Brent Van Donick. Uh He also needs an MXGP ride. But I don't think this week's going to be enough. This week, he's been really good. Top 10 guy. Three motos. Well, he actually, was going well, hey, before four. the DNF. Yeah, he, it would have been another top 10 guy in the fourth moto of the week, but his bike broke. And I feel like people won't give him the recognition or the credit he deserves because it's sand. But I feel like people would just go, oh, yeah, it's sand, though. I feel like he need if he wants to get a ride, he needs to find a way to get to... Trentino and prove himself on hard pack uh, little side note in, if you listen to the post-race podcast, the fly racing post-race podcast, bro, Lommel one, um, he talks about a deal that didn't happen for Lommel and it never, he never actually mentioned what the deal was. Uh, he was in talks to be a fill in on, uh, ice one, but the Lommel week, but it never came together. So, there you go. That's what you're talking about there. I, I reckon we're done with MXGP now.
1: Thank goodness. Right. Are we doing this game? We're not doing a game. Um, because if we're not doing a game, uh, should we do some Ask Voice questions and then do yeah. MX2 after?
2: Ask Voice anything. Whatever. Okay. Um, I, can find, I can get you questions.
1: No, you don't have to get me questions because it just adds on to this podcast and we want to cut the podcast a but little I bit like shorter. This has actually been, I feel like, why not? We're here all week. Let's just keep this rolling. No, we, we might be here all week, but it's think... it's now getting late. It's not that late. <laughs> It's really not that late. So shall we just let's just let's if you got questions, let's do questions. Okay.
2: I don't have questions, but I can make them up so easily.
1: No no no, I want about ask vice anything.
2: Oh. Oh. What
1: do you mean? Well, I was gonna do the game.
2: Oh, give it no Yeah, let's do the game. I'll make it we'll I'll I'll make it easy on you. It's late. I know your brain's quite tired, you ain't got your glasses. You haven't had your milk. Uh, welcome to Are You Smarter Than a Buff? Presented by Even Strokes and I don't have a read in front of me.
1: Brilliant. That's giving <laughs> me really good value. Dick. <laughs> but,
2: but I can tell you off the cuff because off the cuff is the best way to do these things. Uh, but visit Even Strokes and you can get 2021 gear from Yoko, FXR and Fox on Next Day Delivery. Great deals, great prices and every purchase you make not only helps out James but also helps out MX Vice, So head over to www.evenstrokes.com now for that. And then we can continue doing this game as well because those purchases fund this game. And this game is the best thing on the podcast. As says multiple riders in MXGP. So here we go. Question one of five off the cuff. No questions are prepared. Here we go. Um <laughs> <needy
3: question>. <laughs> See, <laughs> fucked it but, up okay, already.
2: Here's a question. Who has led more laps in MXGP this year? A Roman Fevre. Prado. That's not an option. <laughs> B Glenn Coldenoff. Or C Gautier Paulin, your moto winner from Sunday.
1: I'm gonna go with B. What was B? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking hell
2: <laughs> You must know If that was your answer
1: <laughs> I actually forgot that
2: Because I'm laughing so much it was, The options were Roman Fevra, Glenn Coldenoff Or Gautier Paulin right. I'm going to need your name Glenn Coldenoff That's correct <laughs> <laughs> um, What a shit game <laughs> Shit intro, shit game I, I thought the intro was quite good no, um, shit. Who has won more motos this year. Prado. Oh I can't do that to you actually. I'm not that question scrapped because you're gonna get really mad at that question. Who has won more motos this year? Caroli, Koldanoff, or Fevra? Uh
1: well I know Fevra's only won one.
2: Mm? Yeah. Mmm. In Italy. Mm.
1: Yeah. Maybe two. Mm. (laughs) You're a prick. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with... What was it? Caroli Fever and <laughs> what off No, I can't remember.
2: <laughs>
1: this oh. is a shit game, right? Can we right. <laughs> Even Strokes has got his five minutes. Dude, this we need to sack this shit off.
2: Well, maybe then, I should have prepared. Gay. I was too busy being gay? a producer. What are you saying Gay? <laughs> no, I meant prepared. <laughs> I meant prepared to game, but I was too busy being a producer. I'm sorry.
1: Right, um also, uh. I haven't got the questions to talk about. <laughs> so that's. I've
2: got them, it's fine.
1: Brilliant. Let's
2: do MX2 first, though. Let's go to an ad break because it's about time. You should be saying that because you're a host. <laughs> Let's go to an ad break and then we'll come back with MX2 and then we'll do questions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my God. <laughs> so, do you want to take us to another break? Yeah. It w- if if I could get my document up, um, that would be great. <laughs> but you're going to give me a little bit more warning. Um, so, <laughs> thanks for that, Lewis. Fuck my life. Um, With an air oil-separated clothes cartridge design, that is Well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all anodized internal parts and DLC-coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. By adding a mid-speed valve to KYB factory... Kit's spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is a custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. You too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com forward slash KYB hyphen factory hyphen kit hyphen suspension hyphen info for more information.
2: Um, before we go to that break, I'd just like to point something out. I've just realised how insane it is that I am the co-host, yet I've set up the equipment. I've got all of the information in front of me, like the time, the levels, <laughs> and everything. <laughs> like, I feel like I am a fraud, <laughs> because I'm basically all, all the hosting equipment. <laughs> and George <friends> watching
1: football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think um, <laughs> I'm happy to uh, part with this podcast at any point where actually, as you've just described, why don't you just talk into a microphone to yourself for two hours and wander around the room? No, it's fine. Anyway, thank, okay.
2: Podcast sponsors
1: brought to you by Fly Racing, Leat Planet Motor Holidays, Yoku your Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. I'm off to my room. I don't know if I'll be back. Uh, We may see you in five. You
3: are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Evenstrokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross.
5: Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at EvenStrokes.com.
2: Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out Liat.com
4: for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross
0: with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com.
1: The The MX Vice Show. show, Welcome back to the MX Vice Podcast Show. It's brought to you by Talon Engineering, the industry leaders in aftermarket wheels and sprockets. Teams like Rockstar Energy, who's firing a factory racing in the USA, Rocky Mountain ATV, MCKTM, Bill Base Honda, and more, put trust in the same wheels that you can get your hands on. Get more Talon information at talon-eng.com. On that note, if you are looking for a new set of Talons, check out evenstrokes.com. We have uh, plenty of... Talon wheels in stock from the Evo range for Honda, Kawasaki, KTM, Kusfarna, Suzuki, and of course, Kawasaki. Lewis, do you want to talk MX2? Yep, let's do that. Okay, go.
2: As I ranted last week, there was no chance that Gertz was going to um, pull back 52 points in a week at Lommel. And as I ranted last week, Vial is not as bad of a Sam Rider as people expect. And who would have funk it? Here we are, two rounds down in Lommel, and Vial's one them both.
1: One of the interesting things, uh, I, I thought Vial would kind of crumble under the pressure. What? Yeah, I did.
2: But what pressure is there? He had a 52-point lead coming in. No, nah, is... this year.
1: Oh. I thought he would have crumbled under the pressure, and he is excelled. Like, and he just seems to be getting better throughout the year. He just seems to be in control. He seems to be focused. He seems to be letting everybody else around him make mistakes. And he just seems to be super consistent. Here's one for
2: you. Um, as mentioned before, we're going into next year with the same MX2 title fight. Um, it'll be Gertz and Vial again. Obviously other people being there, but all the preseason talk will be about those two. I don't see how anyone can go into next year and say that Gertz is going to beat Vial for the championship based on what we've seen this year?
1: The worrying thing for Gertz and for everybody else within that class next year is that Tom Vial would be going into that class as world champion. He would have then understood what it takes to become a world champion. He would have had the experience. He would also have the belief in knowing that he's done it. I think that makes him... Even more of a, a threat next year for anybody. In in I I've I've got to put my hands up. I I genuinely genuinely didn't expect him to be this good.
2: No. If I okay, I thought that both Gertz and Vial were going to not be ready to battle for a championship this year. But if you had told me that one of them was going to pull through and be this perfect person, I would have believed Vial more so than Gert. Gertz. Gertz.
3: Loves a crash, and I just don't know at this point.
2: And he is visibly over it as well. I'm pretty sure I don't, I didn't watch it, but I hear that he swore on the podium, which is very unlike Gertz because Gertz doesn't show emotion apart from in his Instagram posts, which aren't him,
1: which are very emotional.
2: I mean, his Instagram post from Wednesday says it all. Did he drive the camper back? Nope, because he's staying here, but it did say. In regards to his emotion, Um, today I was dis. Oh, the camper is mentioned though. Oh. Oh. Go. Today I was disappointed when I left the podium. I went to my camper to recover from the emotions for a moment.
1: That camper gets a lot of mentions. Is he sponsored by a camper company? A camper brand is never mentioned.
2: This is weird. Ideal. Like. Yeah. Why is this not if being
1: pitched? Seriously, Timer, um, Concord, any companies out there looking for a good I athlete to sponsor who would give a lot of exposure to campers, it's Gertz.
2: His next um, Instagram post next year will be I went to my eight wheeled Bursener with reclining chairs, <laughs> <laughs> double glazing windows, satellite TV, and gas oven, and upgraded oh, with oh, a B day. I had a shower in the spacious confines of the bathroom
1: where I contemplated my latest win
2: um, but also he said um, uh, when you have your mind on winning 1st and 7th in the heats is a disappointing result which is fair um, but he also said that it will take some time to give it a it will take some time to give it a place but on Sunday there will be another race and new opportunities that I must use optimally okay so what opportunities that I must use optimally? Okay. He did say something that I can get on Would board with. Would that be the equivalent Instagram? of taking advantage of? I guess so. Strange thing to put on Instagram. Um, I can He did say something that I can get on board with, though. Okay. Uh, his statement finished with "Congrats to my teammate Ben Watson for his well-deserved second place on the podium." That I can get on board with.
1: Just because it's Ben? Yep. That, was a, that is a truthful statement.
2: Um, no. But anyway, Gertz just, I don't know. This has not been a good week by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the odd thing, the confusing thing for me about Gertz is, harsh as it sounds, I'm not surprised he's crashed because he has done that a lot so far. But the surprising thing for me is Lommel last year, he had some insane speed. And that insane speed wasn't there on Sunday. Wasn't there in the first half of the sec- of, uh, first moto on Wednesday. And then, randomly, after he crashed, that speed just came out. And I was expecting to see that all week. But it just didn't happen until he crashed in that first moto. And then came back and, to, to his credit, it was an unbelievable ride. That was the type of ride I expected. I expected him to just have that speed consistently all week. And I'm sure Vial did too, because even, it even ran through my mind at the beginning of that first moto on Wednesday. Like, is Gertz going as fast as he did at Lommel last year and Vial's gotten better? Or is Gertz just not as good? And I think the question, the answer was, and as weird as this sounds, this is actually a compliment to Gertz. Gertz just wasn't on the same level as he was last year at Lommel until the second half of that first moto. But yeah, this title fight's done. Vial's got a 62-point lead. Um, yeah, all he's got to do is not is play it smart. And to be fair, he's done a pretty good job of that so far. So, fair dues.
1: Do you think Gertz is going to look back at this at the end of the season and just think this is a, uh, a title he could have won? Yeah,
2: he's got another 20 opportunities. He'll be fine. Okay, He'll win a world championship at some point, I'm sure.
3: I think I would put money on that. What? Nothing, nothing. I think, he'll put, I think
2: he will win an MX2 world championship before he leaves the class.
1: Do you want to go in order? Do you want to talk about... Because I know well, you get a little bit... But there was one, obviously, glare and miss from, from Wednesday's Lomel, and that was Conrad. I mean,
2: disgraceful that you're not going to talk about Ben at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I was just thinking about opportunities, and someone who, who, who we would have thought would have taken both opportunities would have been Conrad. with... Um, lomor has been a track which he's done very, very well on.
2: Yeah, he's got tonsillitis. Okay. That happens. But Ben is riding incredibly well. We've had a third on Sunday. We. Oui. Yep, we. <laughs> 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 uh, I was wondering if you'd get that. Um, yep. Second on Wednesday. If it was a first on, sun- on Sunday coming up, would not be surprised at all. He is riding that well.
1: Yeah. That, like, honestly, and you know what? That was the best. Wednesday was the best I've seen him ride. Yeah, I said that to him Even afterwards. though he didn't win.
2: Like, he won a moto on uh, Sunday, which was amazing, and everything rode ridiculously well in that. Wednesday was the best he's ever ridden at a GP. No doubt about it. That pass on Moose Dyke on the... Was it the last lap of the second moto? Or the second on the lap inside. Lap? Either way, that pass was unbelievable. And he came from ways back as well. And I wouldn't have thought it would be possible to um, uh, catch and pass Moose Dyke in the sand from that far back, but he got it done. And the same, like, he went past Olsen like he was standing still and dropped him and did it the same to a few other guys. Like, He has hit another level this week in Lommel to the point where if he goes 1-1 on Sunday, I wouldn't even bat an eyelid. I'd be like, yep, completely believable. This was going to happen.
1: I spoke earlier in in the show just regarding watching riders who were going forward. And Ben was one of those riders. Literally, I think it was 10th or 11th he started and he carved his way through. In Fernandez. Um, Van Mustaik, they all looked too far ahead at one stage and he just kept dropping two seconds a lap on everybody in front of him to the point where, he, you know, and, and we were talking in pit lane and, and I was saying, is that him for second overall? And you're like, no, no, he's just going to miss out on a podium and that was...
2: I said, as it stands, he is fourth overall. Please let me finish. Well, don't try and put please negative let comments finish. on me. Oh
1: my God, so protective. <laughs> <laughs> um... And it was amazing how at one point he was uh, fourth overall and it looked like it was too much and he just kept grinding away to the point where he was able to just uh, literally put such a solid result in. I mean, did you see him going 3-2? Because at one point he was eighth <laughs> but no, in race two.
2: It, I, I, I honestly have not much to say because he was that good, but what do you say in these situations other than what a bloody ride? There's nothing. There's literally nothing else to say other than rode ridiculously well, stupidly impressive, and who knows what's coming on Sunday. That's uh, interesting point. though, that is actually worth talking about. Is um he mentioned in Mantova that the team figured something out on a start. He obviously got a whole shot there. Um, he sacrificed that here to make sure that the clutch lasts a whole moto at Lommel. Hence why his starts have not been as good. Uh, it was the same on Sunday, but he just kind of got lucky with the way the first turn shakes out of it. He came out top three both times. So that was the reason for his bad starts on Wednesday. So I guess if, you wanna, if you're looking for a win from Ben on Sunday, that's the one thing to watch out for, is maybe something that will hold him back. But, yeah.
1: And another rider in form on, on Wednesday. Uh,
2: are we moving on from Ben? Yeah, we are. Uh.
1: Was Van Moosdijk. He was very unlucky in the first race. He was leading when the bike went.
2: Are you saying that you're impressed by Van Moosdijk? Very. Well, who impressed you more, Moosdijk or gifting? Damn. Well, just because I thought as you were doing your little build up there, I thought you were going to say gifting. I was surprised no, you both, said both, but for
1: two different reasons. The, Van Mustaik, the it was just his blistering speed. And if the bike hadn't of let go, then I truly believe he would have gone on and won that one in, in race one. And who, who, who knows where we would have been in, um, in race two. But his speed was, was so, so good. He's going to be another rider on Sunday who's got a great opportunity to get in a podium. But on that note, gifting. Uh, if any teams are looking at a rider for next year, holy crap gifting just where did that performance come from
2: i um i wonder when the last time there was a swedish rider in the top four overall uh, gp was but anyway i i don't know what GasGas Gas are doing in mx2 next year because as far as i was aware i thought both ladgenfelder and sado had contracts for next year and they're a two rider team so i presume that would be gifting out but maybe they go to three riders or maybe the other two don't have there's contracts. no I'm,
1: way they they can even think about getting rid of him.
2: But the thing is, it's a German team, and Sado and Lagenfelder um, are up-and-coming German riders. So I'd imagine for them to get rid of either one of those. like Lagenfelder is new to the team, but I believe he does 100% have a contract for next year. Sado, I'm not sure on, but Sado was with Diga before they became Gas Gas, and he's a German. Like, So I feel like there's a lot of loyalty there, and I'd be shocked to, let them, to see them let him go. But,
1: but this is where... He, he if you're in K- the KTN group's kind of shoes, you're going to look at this and say, this rider is performing so well and he's doing you know incredible things on that bike. So what would, what would the cost be to, to have a third rider on a factory MX2 bike? Why not? I... Because we've already seen that with two riders who've been both, both lost to injury, at least with three. You've, you have that backup.
2: I'm not sure how big that budget is, though, over there. I don't think it's it's a factory team, yeah, but I don't think they've got the budget of Red Bull KTM, of Nastan of H uh, of Kimia. Like, So I don't know if that's possible. But Giffen's too good not to get somewhere or something. I'd imagine he'll be looked after... To an extent, in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, crazy impressive.
1: Um, Fernandez, another solid performance the weekend. Uh, sorry, Wednesday.
2: Oh uh, Yeah, you wanted to talk about Muse. That was one thing to watch because Muse was 38 up on Fernandez going into the um, round that he missed on Wednesday. And Fernandez obviously had a solid day, so that gap's come eight points. right down. So that's a battle for eight um actually another battle worth mentioning in our two rounds at Lommel so far Ben has done a pretty good job of taking points out of Olsen Beaton, and Renault so that uh, this like he's also passed uh, Leapfrog's Moose Dyke he's only 20 down on Olsen uh, a bit further down on Beaton and Renault but if it continues Th- like this 13 down on Olsen if it continues like this maybe Ben has an outside shot at third in the championship it would take a lot still because it is a big old gap, what, uh, 397 to 438, so
1: 41? But is, Re- is Renault carrying an injury? I don't think so. No, he's been quite good. He, did, he seemed off the pace Well, he was the last couple of races, was it? when he went
2: 3-6 on Sunday and almost got on the podium.
1: Yeah, he just didn't seem... Uh, no, nah, just
2: fall on your sword. <laughs> no, nah, not
1: that. It's just, he just didn't seem, he just didn't seem like as aggressive as he usually is.
2: Yeah, but again, he's more of a hard pack rider than a sand rider. I will say this as well, and I still, I think this all the time, it wasn't that long ago where you came to Lommel for a GP and that was the time where every single rider from France, Italy, Spain, etc. just basically gave up a lot of points. And it was Belgians, Dutch riders, all at the top 5, 6. It's mental now. Well, not mental. It's believable, but it is crazy that we now have Like, Vial, the young French rider, just dominating Lomp. Like, it wasn't that long ago that this just wasn't the case. So pretty mad how things have progressed.
1: One of the things I want you to get to the bottom of uh, Sunday, and I challenge you to do this, is what the hell's happened to Albi Ferrato?
2: He did a front flip. A full-blown front flip in the waves. Literally front flip. So there you go. And also, he's coming off of a shoulder injury. When did he come back? Mantova? Was he back in Mantova or did he come back in Spain?
1: It was uh, Mantova.
2: Yeah, okay. He done been... the
1: three rounds in, in Mantova.
2: Yeah, sir. So he's coming off shoulder injury. What do you want from him? I guess you didn't know that, so. Uh,
1: no, I, don't, I didn't, but it's, again, it's... Um, also, he just doesn't... Overrated, question mark? No, not at all. Overrated? No. Non-question, full stop? Yeah, he's not, he's not... Overrated, uh, full stop? No. No, not overrated at all.
2: Wait, you think of him as... Fill in the blank. You think of him top as... Top 10 rider. Oh, top 10 rider. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, fair enough.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's exactly where I see him. I see him in the top 10 every week.
2: Yeah, and he was there in Manta and Spain. Again, like I just said, Italian rider coming up. Would you expect him to be good at um, Lommel? Mm, not as good, probably. And also, his size in Lommel?
1: Probably not help. One of the things I would say is... Um, Possibly also not doing a front flip, not a big help. No, I I think we could see him go into a 450 scene.
2: There are those rumors out there, yeah, but then also there are a lot of rumors out there.
1: But again, you know, there's not many MXGP rides out there, so but oh,
2: if a team, if an MXGP sign, if an MXGP team signs Ferrato
1: over Walsh,
2: I will light something on fire,
1: yeah. What about yourself? Would you like to light yourself on fire?
2: Maybe, that'd be quite a show.
1: It would, yeah. And then like we could stop this. Um, you'd still make me do it, wouldn't you? You'd be in, in, in your hospital bed with like bandages all around you and you'd still make me do this podcast show.
2: Uh, I would... You'd be like, no, it's okay. It's okay, it's worse than it looks. It's worse than it looks? <laughs> That's a bad thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because you'd just be creaming more, you know, more, oh, I feel
2: sorry oh. for Lewis. Um, Bass Fasten's been really good. A uh, lot of speed, but a lot of crashes, but he's faster and seems to be getting better. Beaton has been really impressive. Fasten especially back on
1: Hitachi next year? I think so. Okay. Maybe you should find this out. Yeah, maybe I
2: should. Um, Beaton has been crazy impressive, especially Wednesday. He came from ways back in the first Moto to 10
1: Yeah. Was the results quite didn't do beaten justice? No, he was riding really well, well Wednesday. The same
2: for a few things like Rubini. Rubini was really good on Wednesday, but wouldn't get the credit. he deserves. No, no, no. Um,
1: he, he would have had a better result in race two, but he literally dropped it on at literally pit it's lane. Three, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and um, he was doing really well. He was like literally top five to that point.
2: Yeah, beaten's good.
1: Beaten's good. Yeah, I was really, I was really surprised with how good um, Rubini was. Speaking
2: of impressive Australians, Mike Wazowski was running decently inside the top 10 in Moto1 on Wednesday, which surprised me in his first race at Lommel. Uh, Finished 13th, which is still like, if you told me he was going to get a 13th coming into the week, I'd been like, fair play. So I was critical of Mike Wazowski at the start of the season, but I now think that there's no way he goes back to Australia. He's done enough to earn another shot in MX2. He has potential. And that's also Bailey Malkiewicz, just in case you haven't realized.
5: Yeah.
1: Uh, I
2: really want to do an interview with him, but call him Mike Wazowski, but I'm really afraid he won't
1: understand what I'm on about. Hopefully he punches you in the face. Uh, one of the things which I did see the weekend was Josh Gilbert's crash, and that looked really nasty. So um, I hope he's uh, healing up and he's ready for Sunday.
2: Where did you see that?
1: Uh, I just seen it on Instagram. Josh shared it. It was um, it was a big one.
2: Well, do you want to know what helps him in those situations? Uh, no. I can tell you. One, being that... He was wearing the fly formula helmet.
1: Wow. That was it. That That was the reason why he's there on Sunday, on the line. Absolutely. Rayon Technology, AIS. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about?
2: Gano? Gano? Cyril?
1: I was excited. I mean, 11th in race one. And it was beaten what took him for 10th. We... Or he...
2: uh his bike had troubles on sunday as predicted his bike does not know how to stay together or finish a moto so tape uh, he was on his practice bike on wednesday hence why he finished both motos and put on instagram that he pushed his practice bike to its limits to get those results
1: but didn't he do well yeah for sure he's a good rider i'm a big riding. fan of cyril big fan
2: um yeah At the moment, you owe me 100 quid the way things are going.
1: Yeah, it's not looking good. But I I believe in Cyril. I really do believe in Cyril. So, Cyril, if you can um, get a tenth in uh, race one, race two Sunday, um, I will probably be your biggest fan and we will be driving the bus together.
2: Um, her dues.
1: Right. Can we, can we, are we done now? Can we move on to questions? Uh, yeah, we can. Oh, Oh my God. What? That has to be bombshell of the week. Really? After like the 17 bombshells
2: (laughs) that have happened in this podcast, (laughs) that is it?
1: No, it has to be the bombshell of the week. All the factory teams head to Spain for riding, where the weather and conditions are perfect. You can too. PlanetMoto holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport, and more. An eight-day holiday costs just £845. Visit planetmoto.co to find out more and book one of our available slots. That is a bombshell that Lewis is ready to move on. Okay, so have you got the questions ready, Lewis? Sorry, but you're on Instagram. No, yeah, because that's where the questions are. Oh, okay, right. Okay, so as you know, the questions are brought to you by Liat, Ask Vice Anything. Did you know that the Liat neck brace has proven to reduce the risk of serious injury by up to 47%? Did you know that it is highly adjustable to fit riders of all levels? Redefine your limits with confidence and choose Liat. The sponsors of this Ask Vice Anything segment.
3: Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for
1: more.
2: Uh, you have some news with Liat, don't you?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, as you'll uh, probably know, I've actually been looking at upgrading my helmet. And luckily, um, I've managed to find myself um, a new helmet sponsor going forward. And I will be given the new, is it the
2: 9.3? 9.5
1: FML. God damn it. I was out by 0.2. FML. Well, M- L. So, um, luckily for you guys, I'm going to be able to test it, try it, look good in it. I definitely think um, it remains to be seen whether the helmet will show up after that. Well, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still holding uh, everything in, you know, in place to make sure that that happens.
2: Questions? Let's do it at aford238 on Instagram said, will Suzuki return to MXGP in 2021? I doubt it. I've not well, heard no, it's anything. A, it's a hard no. It's November, basically. Yeah. There would be like, that's,
1: that's it. They've got quite a few good riders to choose from if they did want to return.
2: Oh, it would be handy for them to open up two more seats in the paddock. Yeah. Um, but no. Although, um, like, they could come back and get gifting. I think, I think, they there's... could come back and run gifting in MX2. Do you
1: know what? I think there's more, more um, chance of Kajiva coming back than Suzuki at the moment.
2: Constructive. Um, Question two from Tom Cumber 22 Predictions for Beniston next year, maybe six to 10 in championship, but some top five results.
1: (laughs) Do you know what? I was a little bit disappointed with the controversy over the whole EMX 250 race on Tuesday. Well, I was going
2: to talk about that, but I felt like you'd tell me to not talk about it because you want to leave.
1: No, no, no. Let's talk about it now because... Um, there's a lot of people getting on the back of Guadaghini. People want him, wanted him in black flags or now just But why? He wasn't... In my mind, I was watching it. I was there. It it didn't seem dangerous. No, he didn't... He didn't touch him at all. He
2: effectively did exactly... You know what? What Tomac did to Dungy in Vegas 2017 was fine. But that was closer to the line than um, what Guadaghini did. Because Tomac actually stood Dungey up in turns. Guardini didn't really get to that level. He just kept letting him back by. Yeah. If he'd ran him high, ran him over a berm, uh, go didn't do him that bike at all. Into him, yeah. Then yeah, sure, there's a problem. But, but all he did was try to fluster him.
1: Yeah, he was trying to take him out of his. And what people should have done is literally put the onus onto Benistan and basically said, you know, fair play to that guy because that shows the level of the rider he was at to be able to cope with what was going on. So I, I don't get it. Guadaghiini, don't apologize for that because all you were trying to do was win a championship. Benistan, well done. You showed the, the noodle to literally go out there and do what you needed to do to win that championship. This is racing. Stop being a bunch of pussies and moaning about everything all the time. Jesus Christ. Great racing, guys. Fair play to you. Don't apologise. Best bit of entertainment we've had for a long time.
2: I did wonder if we were going to get any of that in any class, because we don't normally get it in GPs. It's normally an American thing. So I was quite impressed to see something that exciting in.
1: M- yeah, H- and do you know what? You got two riders. who actually went out there and fucking wanted it. So fair play. That's well, actually, that be... fuck your apologies well, and everything else. That's
2: a better Planet Moto bombshell of the week. What? What is that? You saying that?
1: Okay. Uh, Planet Motor bombshell the week. All the factory (laughs) saves. Head to Spain for riding where the weather and conditions are perfect. You can too. Planet Motor holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport, and more. An eight day holiday costs just £845. Now back to ask Vice anything from Leah.
2: We never actually answered Tom Cumber's question. Oh, sorry, Tom. Beniston will be decent. I'm just trying to think of who would, like, Vial will be ahead of him. Uh, Gertz will be ahead of him. Renault will be ahead of him. Moussa will be ahead of him. Uh, Rara May will probably be ahead of him.
1: Uh, we, did, we, did, s- we did see him in MX2 last year, and didn't he get, like, a fifth? What? Benistan. I'm pretty sure he never raced in MX2 last year. Are you sure?
2: I can look that up, but I'm pretty sure his MX2 debut will be on Sunday. Oh, okay. I'm certain, in fact.
1: But he wouldn't have raced MX. Maybe that year. was his EMX 250 debut last year. Um, well, I
2: can tell you. Any second now, as soon as the internet starts to load.
1: Yeah. I think it was his EMX 250 debut last year, where he went from no, 125 to. 5 so yeah, so he went from 125 to 250. Yeah. But either way. Um, because that's right. Because he was racing against Van Moosdyke. And I remember that at Rene.
2: Initially, when I. Okay, brilliant. We weren't at Rene last year. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, I'm
1: certain we were not at Rene last year. Mm, what track was that then when we were at? S-
2: well, if it was France, it was St. John.
1: Was it? Yeah. I didn't feel like St. John.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, to be fair, when I first read out uh, Tom Cumber22's question, I felt like saying maybe 6-10 to ten in a championship, but some top five results was low-balling, low-balling him a little bit. But thinking about it now, yeah, that's about right. And would not be surprised if, He's lower in the top ten than closer to that top five range, but he will have some top fives at point. At Tom J. Haddock, will the GOAT number twenty twenty two wait, number twenty twenty two? Number twenty twenty two? Oh bloody hell. Um will the goat, number two, 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 retire at the end of the season?
1: If anybody wants to have a little bit of fun, you can pop on to my Instagram.
2: by the time this podcast goes out.
1: I will make sure I have pull it up again. But pop over to my Instagram story, and you'll have uh, a view of what I have. It's Lewis with a big penis on his head. That's not my penis.
2: Caroly has a contract for next year. A, there is no way I can no, not a chance that Coroli would retire in a year with no fans. Pretty sure that like, I feel very confident about that. So no. He'll be back next year. Hopefully healthy. Healthy. Hopefully he has a good off-season, chance to recover from everything, get that knee right. Hopefully, it'll all come good next year for him. And will next year be his last? I'm not even certain about that. There is something quite nice when you think about him going out in 2022. Question from at Walsh underscore 53. Will Dylan Walsh get a ride for next year or quit racing?
1: Uh, he's definitely going to get a ride.
2: I if I was meant to read that one out.
1: Ah, that's funny. I don't know. Um, I think we should start a privateer team.
2: No, Walsh...
1: Go fund I've, me.
2: I've said, I've said it enough at this point. If Walsh doesn't get a ride, then I don't know. Honestly, he deserves a ride so much. And if Jackie Martins doesn't sign, re-sign him, then I'm, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because you've just got to look at... Look, Pat Turel's a good guy and a good rider. If you're running a team with Pat Turel and Guriev... You're not getting much in the way of exposure, promotion, or anything like that. Walsh brings excitement. Walsh brings exposure. Walsh brings the potential for anything to happen. Like leading seven laps or whatever it was at Mantova. That's attractive to sponsors. Every, like, I don't. It makes too much sense in my mind. And, he, and that's, without even mentioning the fact that his results have progressed steadily enough where clearly there's potential there. Like, clearly it would make you go, huh hang on, if we spent a full off-season with this guy, maybe we could turn him into something really good. And then Jackie Martins has got something like a claim to fame, I guess you could say. So, yeah, I think it needs to happen. Great question from at Walsh underscore three. At Dangling Wang (laughs) said... Dangling Wang! He's got a dangle Wang! Is Bogus on a full factory bike? Looks like he's got upgraded. Yeah, rumor is he's got a factory engine. Uh... At Aaron Nelson, at the Lommel GP, are teams leaving the trucks set up at the track in between we, each we round? Quick, go back
1: to Dangley and wang.
2: At Aaron Nelson, at the Lommel GP, are teams leaving the trucks set up at the track in between each rounds. Yep. Uh, I can understand why you're asking that. Obviously, a lot of teams are located up the road, uh, but no, pits are staying exactly as they are. Uh, the only difference is, rather than rebuilding uh, the bikes under the awning, as they did at Mantua and Faenza, some riders are heading back uh, some team's mechanics are heading back to the workshop to rebuild bikes. Dangling but Wang. They do that via loading bikes
1: into a sprinter and taking them that way. Trucks. See where they are. Um, um, if Dangling Wang is out there, can you follow me on Twitter?
2: At Tom Kirk. Well, this is Instagram. At Tom Kirk 267. Uh, what's happening with Ben Watson? I guess this means like...
1: How... Good things. Good yeah. things are happening. Yeah, I was going to say.
2: Like, what, what, like, yeah, This has always been there. Do you need me to explain... Do you need me to put together a highlights package of me on the podcast over the years? Tell the people that I've always been there. How how long have I said that this is there?
1: No, you've been on that I, bus. You've I, been driving the bus.
2: I, honestly, if I...
1: You've been watching him from think, afar and up close. I
2: think if there's one person who deserves the full credit for being on
3: this bandwagon the whole time, then it's me. So... Well done, me. Well,
1: well done, you.
2: Thomas SB93 said, "Are the many races too much? Looking at the heavy, heavy injuries, Hevery. and crashes. Now, this is a point I wanted to bring up. Should have brought it up earlier. Uh, so, lap one, Koldunov had a really bad crash, and obviously, serious injury. Uh, broke two vertebrae. Uh, lost feeling in his arms for moments after the crash. And honestly, it was a scary one being there." Uh, it was right in front of pit lane so everyone could see it, which was almost an uncomfortable situation because there was a lot of people just watching as everyone proceeded with caution and like, to be fair, the medics, track crew, everyone involved did a phenomenal job with that, like that was actually handled perfectly. But I don't think cold crash can be blamed on the track or anything like that. that. It was a strange place to crash. It was basically on the landing of the wall jump, not the double, as James would call it, the wall jump before pit lane. And I don't know how it happened, but it wasn't, you can't blame anything for that. It was one of those freak deals. Like I don't know how you crash there unless something freak happens. Like it's not a dangerous part of the track. So the track can't be blamed for that. The track crew can't be blamed for that or nothing else. It's like, it's a slow part of the track. So that has nothing to do with the many races or the tracks or anything like that. yeah, are the many races too much? Uh, I don't. Again, I don't think they're to blame for the crashes. But look at it. We're at round. We're going into round fifteen now. Stereotypically, in a normal season, by round fifteen, the, the uh, field gets thinned out. And it's just ha- it just looks more intense this time because it's obviously happening in a very short time frame. But this is no different to any other year. So, yeah. If anything, we injuries are better this year as far as number of riders out than they were last year. Um, at Ben Puddy 100 if the age rule got scrapped, would Tommy Sell go back to racing MXGPs in MX2? Uh, I actually sent this question direct to Tommy Sell, and he replied with, nah, too old. So there you go. Not much more I can say on that one. Uh,
1: what riders do you think would go to MX2? If there was no age you're rule. You're going to
2: say Guio, but I don't have time for that. Um... Archie MK99 said, favorite for the 2021 title in MXGP. And who are the outside favorites with a point to prove?
1: Well, obviously, Hurlins is going to come back swinging at some point, but Prado is going to be bigger, stronger, more experienced, and he's going to be a handful.
2: And once again, Geyser's looking to win two MXGP titles in a row and didn't even get mentioned from you there. I know. Because for whatever reason, he flies under the radar as far as his greatness goes. But if anything, this Lommel week proves that he really is the real deal. Like And it feels stupid even saying that. We know that by now. Um, why
1: do you think he does?
2: I don't why, know. why do you think
1: that? Because it's know. not just me, it's, a, it's, it's what a lot of people think. They just think naturally of Hurlins and Prado. Why, why is Geyser not put in that same... I, I mean, the guy's won multiple world championships. I almost want to
2: say he doesn't have the same star power, but he does. He does. If anything, you'd think he'd have more fans, etc., because he went and did Monster Cup. Like, and that normally comes with... That creates clout and that creates interest. But for whatever reason, it, I don't know if it's maybe because he's the most European in a way. Like, I'd feel like he's more European than Herlins or Prado. Um, but then Crowley, again, people would choose him over guys that I don't... It's a real interesting one that I don't think there's even an answer to. But he never gets the respect he deserves, and I've been guilty of that at points. I'm not um, kettle black and all that. Um, no, hot kettle. That's the one. <laughs> <You> okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, my answer to the question Favourite on paper, yeah, I've got to go Hurlins Especially if this foot's going to be better Because that's an interesting one for me uh, Outside favourites with a point to prove I think the way this season is trending now Both Sua and Caroli Will come into next year Wanting to right some wrongs um, Well, that ends The Instagram portion of the questions I'm just heading over to Twitter now uh, Moving on, moving on Right On to Twitter. From Team Solitaire SX. If you had to make a team of current MXGP riders to come to the USA to run Supercross and Motocross for one season, who are you bringing?
1: Prado, Geyser. Two 450s
2: and two 250s.
1: Prado, Geyser, Viao, and I'd go Gertz.
3: Christ.
2: Yeah. Guts does not have the style for Supercross.
1: But it would be fun.
2: I also think you've got to go.
3: You Gle- could Prado no, Geyser. You, know
2: you know what? I'll take Prado Herlins because I think Herlins can figure out the Supercross thing to be decent, and we will my team will then reap the benefits outdoors. So, and we will. my team will get a lot of interest and exposure from having Hurlings on there, so.
1: Okay, I'll go with Prado Geyser because at least we're going to finish a race. What's that supposed to mean? Because Hurlings will just go out and, and just crash. They won't. He will. He's not
2: a crasher. I... I've said this all along. I've said this, Jesus Christ, do you even listen to what I say on this podcast? I've Wh- said. Where it, is he Jesus, now? Yeah, he doesn't crash a lot. It just so happens that when he crashes, he breaks. I've said that all along. I've literally said... And what happens
1: when Geyser crashes?
2: He somehow survives. He Yeah,
1: That's what you need at Supercross. You need to Mm. banks. That's why my team would trump yours. Okay,
2: so that's my 450 side. My 250 side... Actually, no. I changed my answer. I am going... Hurling's Geyser 450s. I'm dropping Prado to a 250 because I can do that in America. And having Vial
1: with him. Well, you're just being a prick, aren't you? Because is, that, that is quite good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I might, you know what? I might take it a step further. I'm going to put Hurlins on a 250 for Supercross. What? Because, just to minimize the risk factor, and then I'm going to bump him up to a 450 again outdoors, where we will again reap the benefit.
1: benefits. You no, you've gone a bit too far now. No, no nah, you've gone too far. I'm
2: taking the question seriously.
1: No, you've gone too far.
2: At Ryan G437, any rumors on when we might see next year's schedule and what it might look like? Well, no word at the moment. I had a conversation with someone at Lommel 2 1 that made me wonder when the hell. I, don't, I genuinely don't know when the 2021 schedule will come out because this person just seemed very eager to just see the end of this season.
1: I've heard that there will only be two flyaways and they're trying. That'll be the end of the season, I guess. I guess so. They're trying to do as many Europeans uh, events as possible. Who told you this? I can't say their names on the podcast. Let me guess. You're a GP. I've got okay, some other info, are? actually. I forgot to tell you. You,
2: haven't t- you didn't tell
1: me that. Oh no! I just, I'm just starting to remember now things what's happened. Well, um, right so I, I've heard that there's going to be only two overseas. However...
2: And that one of those will be Argentina because they've extended their contract.
1: Yeah. And the reason, the reason being is why it's only two is because um, I think like everybody, they don't see COVID going away anytime soon. So they're, gonna, they're still going to try and run as many GPs as possible. However, they're going to try and limit, um, you know, changing it by having too many overseas. So um, I, think, I think next year's calendar is going to be a practical calendar.
2: That scares me.
1: I know that. I knew that was going to throw it. This is why I shouldn't have said anything on the podcast.
2: Well, will I be going uh, to Bali or not?
1: <laughs> no, you will. I think, I think we can safely say Indonesia will not be happening.
2: Well, I saw something on Lab Bible the other day, that in Indonesia, oh, if Jesus. you don't wear your mask, your punishment is that you have to dig graves. If you
1: didn't know this, where most of us will get our information from BBC News, um, Sky News, um, I don't know, Reuters, uh, CNN... Uh, you name every kind of big news channel there is. Lewis gets all his information from Lad Bible. This is what I work with.
2: And that is what Lad Bible said. If if you don't wear your mask in Indonesia or something, you'll punt they punish you by digging graves. So that's something to consider if I go to Bali next year.
1: Well, if you go to Bali telling everybody that they'll soon get better after taking two paracetamols, you will be digging graves. That's right. Okay, we finish now with the questions? Nope, not even close. We've got a lot of questions today. Um... Jesus. If you've uh, somehow... At
2: White 192 who's your money on for most motor wins next year? Prado or Hurlins? Prado. I almost want to say Prado too, just because of the whole shots. Yeah. Um, at MXFreak, what are your thoughts on February this year? At MXVice or at MotocrossVice, this is Twitter. He looks better to me on the. He looks better to me on this bike. Uh, I've said it on here and to him. Uh, He looks the best this year since early 2016, before he had that concussion, that serious concussion uh, at Matley Basin.
1: Yeah, I think this is the best that he's looked. Um, It still scares me about the 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 little mistakes which turn into big crashes. That's um, the one thing which. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about. He does look faster. He doesn't crash big. He doesn't crash big. The the ones I'm 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 watching. He literally
2: washed out a Lommel, as you do in the sand. He literally. That was not.
1: He gracefully laid the bike over. It didn't. It didn't. You want about the one one. before the wall. Uh,
2: the one coming out of the back section where the trees are.
1: Yeah, he he crashed twice in that. Oh, I never saw the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Thought I need
2: behind and I have a question.
1: Yeah, that'd be good. We're still on Liat Ask Vice Anything. Did you know that Liat Neck Brace is proven to reduce the risk of serious injury by up to 47%? Did you know that it is highly adjust- adjustable to fit riders of all levels? Redefine your limits with confidence and choose Liat, the sponsors of this Ask Vice Anything segment.
2: We've got a lot of questions today. We don't uh, have
1: to read them all out. No, just I'm because just you're enjoying ones. this, I'm just doing the good some ones. of us need to go to bed. I'm
2: just doing the good ones. These have all been good questions, haven't they?
1: You need to understand that this podcast is now so long that probably Phil White, 132, is literally...
2: 192. Phil White, 192.
1: He's pro- This is probably Friday to him because he's
2: tried okay. to... I'm trying to get on with a podcast. Uh, uh, Jack L. Hyde on Twitter said, "Will with the coronavirus probably affecting also 2021, what will MXGP look like? You answered that. Did you hear anything about triple headers in 2021?
1: No, no okay. triple headers.
2: I wonder if we can get one in Indonesia on Bali in Bali, probably? Uh we've kind of done that question. I think We're done. Yeah, no, not that not I think just that question. I just wanted to decide. At Brad wheeler 999 said, What why did TC two 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 have some sort of dress watch on the podium? What's a dress watch? Google dress watch.
1: Is You're it like a, a fancy watch? Are you on about like a tag watch or something like well, that? Well, that's what
2: I'm think, thinking. Or a dress watch like... It, was he well, it's not on like the a, eye for a new dress for Jill and was on a dress
1: watch? No. I bet he's promoting one of his many, many brands. Are you
2: Googling the words dress watch? Yeah, I'm doing okay. it right now. While you do that, uh, Chris United 93 how exciting will you Factory Yamaha's MX2 squad be next year and for the years to come with that trio of riders? Along with the MXGP lineup, if a rumoured move of cold enough happens, are they the next dynasty like KTM currently in both classes? You answered that earlier. So well done on that.
1: Okay. Uh, dress watches. A dress watch is the simplest and most elegant of all watch types. It is fuss-free and minimalistic. Designed to pair perfectly with more suits, jackets, and more formal attire. So good, good, good eyes there, because why would Coroli be wearing a, a dress watch?
2: I'm guessing he's sponsored by a watch company.
1: I'm guessing he is. I need to, I'll do some
2: research about what watch it was and I'll ask him and I'll get back to you on Twitter. Yeah. I'm still confused, really, about what a dress watch is. A- and just say is that... Is it like a
1: smaller watch? No, it's minimalistic. Maybe you
2: should, imagine if he had a pocket watch on the podium. I've got a pocket watch. a pocket watch out.
1: Genuinely, I've got a pocket watch. Oh, well, I was taking a piss. <laughs> um, you really are a dick. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm um, Chris United. Uh, James obviously talked about that earlier how he believes in KT, uh, Yamaha's program. That, Factory Yamaha team is in MX2 is going to be good. Will it take down the Vial, Hopper and the third MX2 rider at Redbook KTM that will be announced soon? Trio? Eh? I don't know about that. Right. One more question. Thank you to everyone for submitting questions. I will, I read every single one personally and try my best to include him in the podcast, despite James
1: urging me to... Probably die. not try and be as keen as you are. Um, maybe just, like, one or two. If, if people are literally... If you see that there's a lot of questions, and probably just don't bother um, sending them in. Like, you know what, what? One or two questions a week is, is fine. We're
2: done with questions. The ones on Facebook weren't that good, and we've already covered them.
1: Okay, people on Facebook, we need better questions. Well, no, better. There's, just, there's one about Suzuki, and we've done that, so... Uh, yeah. I'll be glad when Suzuki's back, then he can stop asking the questions. And there's
2: one about um, how Dungy will get on if he comes back, but it's now, I'm pretty sure that isn't going to happen at this point. So He's it's not, not going to really
1: be ready. on Geico. Okay, that was our Liat Ask Vice Anything segment.
2: Did you know that if you buy the 9.5 carbon helmet that you are buying, note that you're buying, you're getting given, uh, you also get a free pair of Liat goggles to complete the look?
1: you know what? This is um, a really good point because when we were showing the, the helmet the weekend, um, the, the 9.5 or, or the 9.3, it comes with um, not only a set of goggles, but a really cool helmet bag. And I was actually moaning about this to somebody the other day about how you spend £500 on a certain pair of boots and it just comes in a cardboard box. And you spend the equivalent at apple And you literally get a presentation. I just think that. I don't. Is anybody else? What else else are you going to put boots in? Just shut up. Do you think? Um. Literally, what else would you put? Just shut up. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Anybody else out there? Just think that. You know, companies can make a bit more of an effort by providing like a boot bag with your, or or just like a a spare pair of soles. I mean, we're spending five hundred quid on a pair of boots. And you literally just get a cardboard box. Maybe I'm just being a little bit over the top. I don't know. I don't think so. And I just think that as consumers, we're we're spending our money on this. Just, let's have a bit of imagination. Let's, let's let's think about the customer at the end of the day. What you know? It's just sometimes I think we get taken advantage of. Just just want to put that out there. Um. But yeah. fair play to Liat app for, for literally thinking about that and putting a free pair of goggles with a helmet in a helmet bag. Do you want to know what I just realised? Oh, and you forgot actually quite a big thing. What comes on the peak? I don't know what the word is.
2: Peak extender.
1: Well, yeah, it's an, it's an extension basically, to, for, which goes on to the um, peak so that the, you can deflect the roost.
2: Um, I've just realised something.
1: It's time to go to fucking bed. As a producer
2: of this week's show...
1: You forgot to press play?
2: no oh I am just checking that no that is playing uh, I, have the, I have a button here that shuts off your mic <laughs> I could have used that at many points
1: such a dick
2: <laughs> that's a shame
1: right have you had enough let's go
2: um
1: yeah we're done any
2: final words
1: yeah Fly Racing Lea Planet Motor Holidays Yoko Europe Prox Racing Parts Technical Touch Hinson KYB7 Even Strokes Kawasaki UK and Talon Engineering huge thanks for your support I'm James Burfield. I'm off to bed on my own whilst Lewis looks out the window and flashes to nearby cars. Hoping for some action. Uh, we'll be back next week on this very unenjoyable podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Are you
2: going to miss not being in the same room? Because we might not be in the same room doing a podcast again for another year. I hope. It lo- it's longer when we're in the same room, I feel.
1: You just, it's like you just want to talk to me all well, the time, but like... you've got a fucking microphone. I
2: quite like... <laughs> <laughs> I quite like talking about motocross.
1: <laughs> I, I'd quite like to go to bed.
2: Yeah, well, it's fine. It's this is well, it's currently eleven forty three p.m. and I feel like I could go for another hour.
1: That's great. And I suggest that you sit in this room and you talk to yourself. Maybe look at a if you look at a mirror, then it feels like someone's talking back to you.
2: But this is a commitment. This is a commitment that I want. I'm actually. Well done for getting through this because this is a commitment I want because I was thinking earlier, really?
1: We could have wrapped maybe, this up in an hour.
2: Maybe we should have got back yesterday from the race and done it on Wednesday night until 1.30 and just got it done. That'd have been good. But then also, I was quite tired yesterday.
1: Oh, poor Lulu. <laughs> 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 Lulu, now, say bye-bye
2: bye bye, Lulu. It wouldn't be possible because obviously we, got, um, we do some work for teams and stuff so I'd press releases to write and get out and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. I don't know. We can be better, and we will be making this podcast better week by week moving forward. I have got plans. A new host? I've got plans that I'm currently working on, plus new podcasts that are coming to expand the network, plus currently working on MX Manager Fantasy plans for 2021 because I want to completely redo that game. So if anyone's got any uh, what, suggestions or anything they'd like to see,
1: ideas now is a good time Insights. to send them in
2: to me not to yeah. James because that's pointless
1: yeah don't send it to me that's it this is MX Vice podcast show 48 do you want know what's funny oh for fuck <laughs> he's just doing it on purpose now what a dick
2: this show hasn't been that long I would I would like it to have been longer
1: <laughs> that's what she said I want
2: to give a, I want to give people too much content yeah
1: okay right I'm, I'm off to bed um, say bye Lewis Yep, see ya. You are listening
5: to the MX Vice Show. Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com.
0: Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com.
3: Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info.
2: LIAT. Protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more.
4: Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili
0: collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show.